This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Glad to have you with us on a gorgeous Tuesday afternoon here in Peg City. I'm Andrew Patterson, along with the CTO, Michael Remus, and we've got a great show for you today. Uh, We are less than 20, no, 48 hours from the official start of Winnipeg Jets training camps. All the players in yesterday, uh, getting their pictures taken, uh, doing some reads, helping balls in the game production gang get ready for the start of their season. Guys back on the ice, minicamp continuing, and the real deal gets going on on Thursday. And I got to admit, uh, completely caught off guard by the fact that there will be asses in the seats at Canada Life Arena on Sunday night as the Jets begin the preseason, did the uh, the season ticket draft last night with my brother and Scoops and uh, kind of realized, boys, we got a game this weekend. Um, cannot wait for it as well as the start of the year. Um, and we'll get into uh, plenty of Jets topics with Mike McIntyre coming up. Uh, about 45 minutes from now, when Mike joins us to preview camp, talk about his piece today on the organization in the Winnipeg Free Press, and get his thoughts on what he's seen from the Jets prospects, rookies, and those participating in Winnipeg Jets minicamp. Uh, bombers are on the bye, but they are still the talk of the Canadian Football League and the class of the league. And I am so excited to welcome in the GOAT of offensive lineman, Big Bluto himself, Chris Walby. Of course, you can hear him weekly before Bomber games on Game Day Winnipeg over with Darren Bombing on the Bonfire Sports Channel. Uh, We haven't had Big Bluto on the program yet. He's coming on today. We'll discuss the dominating first half by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and ask him so far whether and where this team stacks up against some of the best Bomber teams that he's seen in recent years. And dare we say, maybe some of the championship teams that he played on himself here in Winnipeg. So all of that coming up on the program today. Uh, we do want to thank, before we get going, all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day, including Royal Sports, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery over on Logan Avenue, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, and of course our friends over at Cool Bet Canada. Uh, we'll actually get into some of the cool bet numbers. Props are out for the NHL season right now. Uh, Team totals, odds to win divisions, conference, Stanley Cup, and now player props as well. So we'll have plenty of material to work with on the cool bet hits uh, as we uh, go forward before the drop of the puck. Let's get Remus in here to get things going before Big Bluto joins us on the show. What's going on, Reem? How you doing? I'm feeling good. I'm counting down until the hockey season. Uh, I'm starting to, uh, my friends are messaging me, okay, are we doing this pool again this year? Um, And I don't know, I'm looking at the cool bet lines. I'm seeing EA Sports come out with their ratings for uh, players. Some of them are being slowly uh, trickled out before the release. So, yeah, we are getting ready for hockey. Training camps start Thursday. Rookie camps are over. Uh, It's real. It's happening. And you mentioned us, Canada Life Center going to be packed Sunday. You mean it's also going to be packed tonight? I can't remember the last time. It's uh, what Electric Circus uh, '90s uh, Super Party with what like get Aqu- the hell out of here? Yeah, you're not going. To Aqua Two Unlimited. Uh, who else is in there? <laughs> is this serious? Yeah, '90s Electric Circus '90s 
Nostalgia, nostalgia edition, Ace of Base, or this, some. What did you just call it? Nostalgia? Yeah, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Pretty sure that's what I heard. Nah, you know what? <laughs> you, you know what, man, you're not going to Vanga Boys, Aqua, Two Unlimited, Eiffel 65. You're telling me there's going to be a live performance of the Bingo Bus? Tonight, yeah, I think so. Canada I, Life Center. Yeah, I would go for that. <laughs> oh God, this yeah. is gonna be in my head all day now. Thank you. I, I'm thinking about. I love Aqua. I want to see them live. So Jet Oil and Tom a, is fired up for Barbie Girl. Yeah, they have better. These, they have better songs than that, but that's their biggest hit. <laughs> so you know what? I, okay, obviously this was yep. completely off my radar, like many things, including yesterday's federal election. Um, but I mean. Is this the first arena show? Has I mean, I knew there was a couple outdoor shows, but yeah. I mean, has there been anything else in like inside Canada I'm Life not, Center yet? I'm not. I'm not sure. I know there's been like I saw on everyone on my Instagram was at that uh, EDM show. What was it? Loud Luxury before I saw that one. People were at that. There was another show at Shaw Park. That was out at the Downs, that Loud Luxury. Yeah, did you go to that? Were you? No, no, I didn't. I'm sure Chow Dog and a few of my other buddies (laughs) that are big EDM guys were there doing the Jersey Shore fist pumps all all day. Um, This might be the first one. I haven't been. I mean, concerts are on the way back. So I I have tickets to Rage Against the Machine in in June. But I could could be talked into this one. And I don't know. I'd have to get some childcare if I want to go with my wife, though. Hey, just quickly, uh, I will address something in the chat. Leslie Mishnuck asking, is that an Oilers hoodie hus on WST? Seems sacrilegious. Of course it is not. This is a Chiefs hoodie. <laughs> okay, okay. This is not an Oilers hoodie. And even, and I mean, some people know this, some people don't. I worked for a year for the Oilers, and I did come back with some Oilers stuff. And as soon as I was back in Winnipeg, it got mothballed. I do I do think there's an Oilers mug somewhere in the collection, but that is about it. So uh yeah, don't don't do not worry. Do not worry about that. Thank you, Northside YEG. No way I'm wearing an Oilers jersey. I listen, I got no issue with the Oilers. Love watching them play. Connor David's the best. I mean, uh, but as I said, you will. What once you're down with the team, it's tough to sort of jump on others. Like I don't mind wearing the odd non-Chiefs NFL jersey, maybe for a guy that I was a big fan of that I have in fantasy. But other than that, I mean NHL stuff, you won't really find me. I mean, even baseball, I wear a lot of Royals stuff. You might find me. I did win a very nice Jays hat at the uh, Boston Pizza event to uh, welcome the Jays home, which many of you guys came out to. What an awesome night that was, actually. So, uh, you know, come playoff time, I might jump on the wagon. I have been cheering for the Jays. Tough loss yesterday. Uh, but overall, that will be, uh, you'll see mainly Jet stuff here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, uh, if I'm not wearing some Chief stuff or, of course, Bomber gear. Um, all right, so Bomber Talk coming up with Chris Walby. Lots of Jets talk coming up with Mike McIntyre a little bit later on. Um, and yes, Remo, last night was the big night. Everybody glued to their television to watch the Packers and the Lions on Monday Night Football. And uh, I I have to tell you, the Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, you texted me right off the bat in week one and said, what do you think about this? And I said, well, it seems like it's a bit of a work in progress. By the second half, it was seemingly seamless, and they had just such amazing guests. And I got sucked into it again last night. I mean, I normally will watch the the regular broadcast, the combination of Peyton and Eli is so fun. 
it's so interesting. Um, and even like hardcore football nuts, I mean, being able to hear the way these quarterbacks read defenses and talk about what's happening on the play, it, it's a next level viewing experience right now. I have no idea what the what the uh, uh, ratings have been uh, for the respective broadcasts and what that's maybe doing to the main network. But I will say this, this in some ways, I think, is the future of television presentation. It won't replace the main broadcast, but I think that, you know, we'll see more companion broadcasts like this. I'll also say this, there's going to be a lot of imitations of trying to do what Peyton and Eli are doing. They're going to fall flat on their face because they won't have all the intangibles that the Manning brothers bring to it. But uh, Monday Night Manning, to me, maybe the best new thing of this NFL season so far. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, some there's been some fun stuff uh, coming out of it. Um, you know, hearing Peyton say that he used to—I don't know if this was a joke or not—but used to not talk about plays uh, after the Patriots used their locker room in the Super Bowl, and and because he assumed it was bugged, and he would hold court in the corner of the shower. I mean, I don't know if it's a joke or not, but I mean, I mean it's pretty... Not a joke. Not pretty, a joke. I know you think it's it's not a joke, but I always assumed that someone from the Patriots was listening in on his conversations. And I think just hearing him you know, describe what he would do on certain plays, I agree it's incredible. He's you know, one of the greatest to ever do it. And I think it adds another dimension to the broadcast where you can, look, you can have your traditional broadcast with play-by-play, or you can flip back and forth and see these guys hanging out and whatever guests they have in. And, you know, if it's a dud game, which, and you know, in recent history, Monday Night Football has been the, you know, the horrible primetime game, but it seems like we've had some okay ones so far. Um, you know, you can hear these guys just, uh, you know, just, you know, chat and talk about whatever and, and actually learn stuff, you know, that's more inside football than you'd get from a traditional broadcast. So I like having the option, and I agree. I think this is going to be imitated going forward. Yeah, they had some neat guests last night. Favre was on. And, you know, it, it was a little tough to to watch Brett. Um, you know, he's been pretty clear about some of the things that he's deal, been dealing with post, um, post-playing career. And there was no tougher SOB in the NFL than Brett Favre. I mean, playing week after week, game after game with the punishment that he took. Um, and, you know, he himself came out with that bit saying, you know, I wouldn't let, you know, a child under 14 play uh, professional football uh, or play tackle football at this point. Um, you know, he's not saying, you know, you can't play once you get to be high school or into into college. But, um, you know, I think he's he's wearing it a little bit. And, um, and you know, that, of course, is unfortunate. Patrick Willis is pretty good. The star of the guest that was Pat McAfee. And, um, I mean, he told the story about Peyton. He was a young player on the Colts. They were at a casino, and Manning walked up to the roulette table. Everyone's losing their mind because Peyton's there. People are wondering how... This guy, Pat, at the table knows him. And uh, he says, ooh, that red 18's looking pretty good. And everyone at the table threw it all on 18. And sure enough, 18 came up. Everyone went crazy. Peyton leaves. It was a lot of fun. I did see Leighton Janice asking, where can you see it? Oh, Gary Croft, what channel are you on? So here in Winnipeg, um, our main TSN channel is TSN 3. That's the channel that the Manning Brothers have been on. The main broadcast has been on TSN 1. Um, I know a lot of people have the Dazzin subscription. I don't believe it's available through that. Uh, but that that won't break Michael Remus's heart as he's an avowed opponent of, of Dazzin since day one. You know, I, I don't know anything about Dazzin. I have them muted on, on Twitter. There's, like, events that I have no idea are going on. And uh, ruined, they ruined the NFL in Canada. Ruined it. 
And uh, <laughs> that's why, you know, it, that's why it's now available on uh, on cable, the Sunday ticket. And Red Zone is also available on the TSN uh, streaming as well. So you don't need you don't need Dazzin. I was choked. I mean, I on my TV, there's a thing that says Red Zone channel 1036. Yeah, and then it says, and I was get so the fired app. up to watch it. And then like, get the app. Run. Yeah paying for cable like do you really want to drive you, it's us built <laughs> it's built in if you pay for tsn cable you can just log in on their site with your cable provider and get it on the well, on the app red zone I do it is a game changer if you haven't yeah. dived especially if you're playing fantasy or betting on games and you haven't had the nfl red zone experience uh you're definitely going to want to do that all right we're going to talk some pig skin three down style the first place blue bombers with the big guy chris walby uh before we do that want to let you know but our newest sponsor and great friends of Winnipeg Sports Talk, Donnie and the gang down at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan, 783-8787, online at manitobabattery.com. They are the battery experts for all things here in Winnipeg. When I say all things, I mean automotive, I mean industrial, farm batteries, power sports, ski-doos, sleds, even UPS Backup supply batteries, heck, MediChair batteries as well. Um, but as we get into the colder weather, um, the big part of the business is going to be automotive batteries. And, uh, you know, you might need one. You might know that you need one. First of all, don't be that guy that waits till it's minus 35 and then has an issue. Be proactive. Get on that now. Uh, and the good thing is you don't even need to leave the house. Manitoba Battery will deliver your battery to your house for less than it would cost you to go walk in and buy the same one at Costco. And that doesn't even count about the amount of time it costs to park in that place. Um, so for all your battery needs, tell the guys at Manitoba Battery that your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Give them a call, 783-8787, or hit them up online and find out more on all their products and services at manitobabattery.com. Uh, hockey season's right around the corner. Talking to the guys at Royal coming off that insane tent sale. Finally, the tent sales are back at Royal Sports. And the new NHL merch is all coming in right now. And I know many of you might want a new Jet jersey. We're going to be wearing those beautiful Heritage Blues 14 times at home this year. Saw Nate Schmidt rocking one of those yesterday. Have a feeling there might be some 88s going out the door. Maybe a new Brendan Dillon. Um, or some of the other new players on the squad, you can get it all taken care of in time for even Sunday's preseason opener over at Royal Sports. While you're there, check out the Bomber gear, all the NFL merchandise. And if you're a hockey player in this city, you know that Royal Sports for 35 years has been the hockey superstore in the peg. Pop down and see them and get ready for the season at 750 Pamina Highway. And uh, without a game this week, we'll, uh, we'll wait until the following week for our next big Friday marble race for Canadian Club. Uh, but we do want to thank Canadian Club for their support of the Bombers as the official spirit available throughout IG Field, as well as their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And no better nightcap than a, a CC and Coke or maybe a CC and Ginger Ale. You can pick it up at IG Field and you can get the great taste of Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart's location. All right, the Bombers are 6-1. and one. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about a lot of things right now, but nothing more than welcoming in the big guy himself for the first time to Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know him as the greatest offensive lineman in CFL history. You know him as Darren Bombing's cohort on Game Day Winnipeg over on the Bonfire Sports Channel. 
And you also know him as the namesake of the Walby Burger available at IG Field. Let's bring in the big guy now, Chris Walby. Bluto, what's up? Thanks so much for doing this. It is great to talk to you, my man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I mean, the biggest thing is how time, how, how, what took so long? I've been sitting by that phone waiting for Michael Remus to call me for, I don't know how long. Now I'm like, ah, I feel fulfilled. I didn't want to bug you during the summer. I know you're, I know you live oh, yeah. uh, at times a life of leisure, often with a cold one in your hand, enjoying yeah, time out at the summer. Uh, in, in all serious though, how was the summer for you, big guy? Fantastic. I spent a lot of time at the lake. The only thing I got complaints about is I don't know why the water's so dang low, but uh, we, um, you know, we, we, we mucked through it, I guess you could say in a way, but uh, nice to have a pontoon boat. You stay a little higher in the water, but no, it was a great summer. The weather was fantastic. And as you say, we tipped a few cold ones this summer and I continue that. I think the fall will be just as good. Well, uh, and, and, you know, Bomber fans are tipping a few cold ones Amen. right now because man, this team is getting it done. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's such a weird place for Bomber fans, I think, to be in, Chris. I mean, when you go back to 2019 and you think about the path this team looked to win the Grey Cup, yeah. I mean, even with a few weeks left in the season, no one really thought that that was possible. The quarterback position was a mess with the injury to Nichols and Strevler yeah. being hurt and struggling. Zach Caleros comes in, doesn't play. I mean, I don't think anyone could have possibly imagined what was to come over the course of Zach's four starts. And then you come to this point in all of our lives where everything's shut down, we miss a season, come back, and you wonder how this team will look, even with many of the same faces, once things get back on the field like 18 months later. Um, I think it's safe to say that the first half of this CFL season for the defending champs has gone uh, about as well as anyone could have imagined. Uh, what have you thought about this team from game one through game seven? Well, I think it's interesting you talked about that. I mean, the fact that uh, I think Wade Miller, Kyle Walters, and, you know, Coach O'Shea, which is, hey, happy birthday, Coach O'Shea, today. Uh, you know what? I think they developed this crazy culture out here where everybody wants to play in Winnipeg. When you see Alden Darby get traded here, he said he wasn't sure, you know, he's a you know lifelong Argo, and all of a sudden he comes and he goes, wow, what a culture, what a climate here, what a bunch of characters here. They got a lot of love for a lot of respect for each other. They have a veteran squad, and you have to have a veteran squad to win in this, in this league. I mean, you got a guy by the name of Zach Kalaras who is he, – he reminds me back in, I think it was 2015 when he played for Hamilton. He was having that MOP type year, and they got hurt. Well, right now, knock on wood, he's not. But I'll tell you right now, is he lighting the league up? Uh, you know, they just have – there's no real weakness. and I know you're going to hit on one, one part of it. I mean, obviously, offense is doing everything they have to do. The defense has been lights out. Special teams, obviously, a little still question mark with the field goal kicker. I mean, eight of 16 uh, combined with the three guys. Uh, but you know what? They're so lucky. They're fortunate that the other two have facets of the team are just playing so well that they, they're getting by without having, you know, a guy that really can be uh, consistent in the field goal department. Yeah, the, the kicking game, I mean, I think it just speaks to how well the yeah. other aspects of the team are playing, Chris, because – I mean, you know, more often than not, and especially when you look at the way the Bombers have won games in the past, that might be the, the thing that's the most surprising. You look at the 2019 team. I mean, they were never blowing the doors off teams. I nope. mean, they were playing with defense. They were leaning on Justin Medlock sometimes five or six times a game. They were playing good special teams, and it was all adding up to, you know, enough to have one or two more points than the other squad. This team right now is playing at such a high level on both the offensive and defensive side of the football 
that it has made the special teams issues somewhat a moot point, but it's unrealistic yeah. to think that that can continue for an entire season if you want to win the whole thing again. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's going to come down to that one time when they're going to have to kick that field goal to win a football game. Listen, they were very fortunate against Calgary. You know, Legio getting that, obviously, procedure call goes back, missed the first one, kicks it after the penalty, and they win that game. Uh, but, you know, they're going to have to they're going to have to shore that up. But I know, you know what, Coach O'Shea is always saying, you know what, and I, I admire the guy too, but this is funny when you think about the CFL. Uh, if you think about the, the league south of us right now, if a kicker misses three in a game, you know what, he's got an apple on the roadmap. There's not even a second chance. But down here, we're giving a guy another opportunity. He says that uh, Ali Matardo will, will play and get an opportunity again when he come back against BC. Uh, you know what? Maybe he'll kick it good indoors. He was always kicking indoors. Maybe that's a factor into the decision by O'Shea. But listen, they're going to have to shore that up. The punt return game is not where it used to be. I mean, look at what Lucky Whitehead has done in BC. This guy was, you know, looking for a spot to play and to be a factor as a receiver, not just a return guy. And he's lights out in BC. He is the biggest, I think, impact X factor on that BC team. And Mike Riley, you saw him hit him on a beautiful 75-yard touchdown the other day. He's got a 113 missed field goal return. Uh, BC, I'm telling you what, I, I'm not too uh, sure of them in the beginning of the year, but I'm absolutely looking forward to the, the game when the Bombers go there. Well, never mind the Bombers. I mean, this game on Friday night between yes, BC Saskatchewan. and Saskatchewan is a big yep. one. And, you know, I was talking to Dustin Nielsen today. We were doing our picks for the CFL week in the lock shop and talking about a couple of these games. And you're going back and realize BC's given up two touchdowns in 29 quarter in 22 quarters. Yeah. I mean, we focus so much on Mike Riley or Michael Riley, as he likes to be known now. That's but right. The defense of BC has really stepped up. Now, you know, you might seem strange when you look at the amount of yards that Montreal put up last week, but it, late in the fourth quarter, the Alouettes had put up 450 and it scored 15 points. It actually sort of reminded me of the Bomber defense the last couple of years, right. which, you know, would give up tons of yards. But the minute you got it within the 20 or 15, they yeah. locked the door and made you kick three. Yeah, I think when they, they had six field goals, that was it. They didn't allow a touchdown, as you say. Mike Riley, three straight, three uh, 300-yard-plus games. They all victories. Uh, they're doing really well. And you look at that defense, as you mentioned, uh, Huss, they're really playing well. Uh, but you're right. The game of the week to me is the Sask playing uh, the BC game. I believe I believe it's in BC. I could be wrong. I think it's in BC. Yeah, it but I, um, that's going to be a tough game. Uh, uh, you know what? I, I When I watch Saskatchewan, I feel bad for him with all the injuries. And they got that AC Leonard garbage going on now and all that other stuff. Uh, one thing I do appreciate, and I know that some of the media is not really liking what Craig Dickinson is doing the head coach. You know, basically sticking up for AC Letter. Now I think it'll be interesting what they do with him. Now that we find out he's verbally abused the, uh, you know, the drug enforcer. So, uh, yeah. But up to that point, I love listening to him because he tells it like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat it. Doesn't hide it. Says, yeah, this guy won't play. This guy I don't think he's going to play. Uh, they got a good team, but boy, they've had an awful lot of injuries. But they're, you know, one thing they have, they had the other guy that I thought before Michael Riley started to play. I thought the two guys for MOP were going to be Cody Fajardo and our own Zach Kolaris. And I'll tell you what, that looks like a pretty good prediction right now. We know as Cody Fajardo goes, the Riders go. And yes. that was a big problem for them against the Bombers in those back-to-back -back games. And he was on his ass half the time. He was getting chased around and running for his life. And, you know, they weren't able to put in even one touchdown in two games for six. Uh, you know but what, but it, he's, plus, he's, they didn't run the ball. <laughs> 
you know, I was the one that, we were doing the game and I'm, with uh, Darren and, uh, you know, Bonfire. We we're like, hey, you know what? William Powell, who I think is one of the best running backs in CFL, is carrying or touching the pigskin eight times a game. You saw him this last one, 21 for 100 and something yards. You know what? And the Bomber defense, listen, as good as they are, they are giving up yards on the ground. People are running on them. That might be the only crack in the armor on that defense because I love their secondary thing. Jordan Younger, the defensive uh, secondary coach, has done an outstanding job with Alford and Nichols and all the guys across there with all the new guys. But the Bomber defense, basically, I mean, they're giving up. They're number eight, I guess, giving up 100 yards per game. But it doesn't seem to hurt them because they make turnovers. They lead the league in turnovers, as you say. You know, they got the most points out, 50 points off turnovers. But that's the thing that when I talk about Saskatchewan, when they played here, yes, they got after Cody. Yes, they forced Cody to be a one-dimensional guy. They kept him in the pocket. They beat him down. You know, he, they forced him to throw. No touchdowns in both games. I don't think he scored a touchdown Saskatchewan in three games, going back to the, I believe, the West Final. So, Really interesting uh, dynamic on this uh, Bomber defense. Yeah, and and we'll talk more about the Bomber defense in just a second. We mentioned Montreal, or sorry, BC and Saskatchewan in yeah. uh, really the marquee matchup of the week in the CFL with the Bombers on the bye. But I do have to ask you, as someone that's played that played for so long, that's followed this league for so long, how bizarre is it to, for you to look at the standings and see Calgary and Edmonton yes. both at the bottom yes. of the West Chris, there is a very real possibility that the yep. CFL could playoffs could start for the first time in the history of the league without a team from Calgary or Edmonton in them. It's crazy when you think about you know the unfortunate neck injury to you know Trevor Harris that's going to keep him out for they say maybe even longer than six weeks now. Can uh, you know can uh, Taylor Cornelius do the job? I don't know. He had spouts of you know looked pretty good against the Bombers, uh, but obviously no touchdowns, three interceptions. The biggest surprise, and I, I really think a lot of people are, are blown away, is Dave Dickinson's team, the Calgary Stampeders. I mean, this is a team that's the upper echelon team for years. And Bo Levi, what has happened to Bo Levi? Because, you know, he's got two touchdowns, seven interceptions. Uh, he does not look like the old Bo Levi of the past. Uh, he had so many passes knocked down. He just seems like he's rattled. He's off. He's not setting his feet. Um and, and they're just not playing well. They're taking silly penalties, like the Mike Rose penalty, you know, just a lot of things. And and you watch, uh, you know, you watch Dave on the sideline. He's losing it. They're not used to having this. So I wonder if Johnny Huffnagel, the GM, is going to make some changes. I think they have to. Do you like this Jake Mayer kid? I do. I thought he played pretty dang good against the Bombers when he went 16 for 16. He yeah. goes in there and, yeah, it's soft time, goes nine for nine, leads him to a touchdown. That is a quarterback controversy now. How are they going to handle it? Yeah, and, and I know Northside uh, YEG asking if we really think the Elks are that bad. I don't think the Elks are bad no. at all, but I no. think they're in a terrible situation right now. And at Bluto, I remember saying to Remus off air after they somehow managed to lose to Ottawa in week one in that bizarre game, they gave up like 90 yards of offense and somehow lost the football game 16 to 12, that that could be a game that we... In three months, we look back oh, and yeah. go, I can't believe they lost that game, and it could make be the difference. Because what's happened now is that Trevor Harris is out. He's on the sixth game. It happened just as they are about to play the Bombers three times in four weeks. 
And uh, well, get your thoughts on Cornelius. I mean, I thought he did some things yeah. quite well. Yeah. Um, but man, when you turn the fo- football over the way they did, resulting in two touchdowns, you're simply not going to win. And the problem with Edmonton is their schedule right now, the fact they don't have their starting quarterback. And yeah. if they don't get any wins against Winnipeg in this three-game series, then you're playing a ton of catch up. And unfortunately for a team like the Elks, this is a 14 game season, not an 18 game season. And uh, they're going to run out a runway if they can't start getting some points right now before Trevor Harris gets back. Well, here's a hypothetical situation. You're looking at what Paula police is doing in Ottawa. They're having a really rough go. Matt Nichols, who, you know, obviously, you know, the Nick Arbuckle thing with going to Toronto, then going to Ottawa. Would it be something? And I don't think it'd be very surprising because now they've signed Devlin Duck Hodges, the NFL guy who played for Pittsburgh Steelers in Ottawa. And, uh, you know, they gave him a three-year deal, which means nothing in the CFL because they cut you after the first year. But having said that, they, they really put some money into this guy. Could it – Could I, I actually can see Edmonton maybe reaching out and saying, hey, can we get – unless Matt Nichols is dinged up. I know some people are saying his arm's not as good or his shoulder's not as good. But having said that, Maybe he needs a breath of fresh air. Go back to Edmonton because I think he'd help that team. I really do. I mean, I'm, I'm still a Matt Nichols fan. I still believe he can do the job. But, can, you know, will it be up to him or Dominic Davis, right? I mean, they got three guys. But Matt's the guy that's making the dinero. He's making the big coin. They can't keep him. I don't think they can if they paid this Devlin uh, Hodges guy as much money. Yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, I guess that the jury's still out on Nichols as to, you yep. know, whether, it, you know, what the issues are. The bottom line is it hasn't been good in, in Ottawa, and he knows Paul Apolis very well. The one thing yep. I'll say, I, I think Edmonton's good enough that you could put a Matt Nichols in. Yeah, so I think. Because cause Nichols doesn't turn the ball over. Um, you yep. know, you lean on James Wilder. You know, you, you, you do some more short passing game, which is sort of his M.O., and their defense is good. I, and I sort of agree that I think in some situations they might be good enough to win football games. That being said, I thought Cornelius did some good things on Saturday yep. night in his first start. And I think he's certainly given them some, uh, you know, some optimism that there's more to it going, going forward. Chris Walby is with us. You can see him before each and every Bomber every game on game, game day, day Winnipeg with our pal Darren Bombing over at Bonfire Sports. Uh, Bluto, back to the Bombers for a minute. Um, yep. Offensive line, we don't talk enough about them. Um, Amen. This this group has been the foundation of the success, in my opinion, for the last few years for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, How good are they this year? And when you look at the success of the Bombers, how much credit deserves to the big guys up front that probably don't get the headlines as much as they probably should? They always say that if you don't talk about you, you had a great game on offense. Listen, you know as well as I do, the game is one in the trenches, and that's both sides. And they, they're loaded on both sides. But having said that, you know, Stanley and uh, Desjardins and Michael Couture and Pat Newfield and Jamarcus, you know, Hardrick, this is a group that's been together for so long. And, you know, we just talk about the past game at Edmonton. Well, they brought back Sir Vincent Rogers, but they've had, they haven't had the same unit for one game this year. We have had consistency, and you have that chemistry, and you work together. There's no doubt in my mind that this is an all-star offensive line. I'm going from left to right. There's no weakness in this line. I mean, they play so well. You look at the run game. Andrew Harris is getting stronger every game he comes back. You know, 97 yards last week. Uh, they, they give Zach all the time. And listen, Zach is also one of his most mobile quarterbacks. That he, you know, he extends plays with his feet. I, I mentioned this earlier. 
He reminds me of 2015 when he had that MOP type year. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody better in the league right now. I mean, he's leading the league in passing, passing touchdowns, you know, passes over 30 plus yards, but they can't do any of this without the big boys up front. And I think, you know, uh, you know, you talk about a guy that I think is probably a hall of famer and a ring honor guy. And he's going to be, that's, you know, that's Stanley. Uh, I, I think he's just, he's just a stud. Then you look at the other guy, and that's that's what happens when you have a, a one guy that, you know, they kind of know that he's won a couple times of the outstanding offensive lineman. That guy is no slouch on the other tackle. Jamarcus Hardrock is a heck of Hardrock is a hell of a football player. I like him. And you got good guys in the middle. So I mean, there is no, you know what? You always got to do this, knock on wood, because the only thing that can hurt this team, and I said this before, the only thing that will hurt this team or may derail it is injuries. Well, and, and injuries. It's funny you mentioned that. I was on CFL this week on the Ticats Network yesterday, and we were talking yeah. about Caleros, and you know, and you know, and they, of course, know some of the injury history that he's had because it happened out there. And you know, I said, well, first things first, the Bombers know that you know their season will go as far as Zach Caleros takes them, uh, and the good thing is they've got an elite offensive line protecting him, and it seems like he's got a special comfort in the pocket right now, yep. and that. You know, there are times where, you know, he has to run a little bit and he loves to, you know, buy a couple extra seconds and create some more opportunities for him to throw the football. And that's a very stark difference to what we saw from Matt Nichols in the past. But it does seem like Zach Caleros, even with the injuries that he's gone through, is playing with the confidence right now, knowing that he's behind a group of guys that are going to be there down after down to give him the best chance to keep his jersey clean first and foremost and then move the chains. Yeah, you haven't seen him get hit very often. I mean, he gets a sack, and a lot of times it's him holding on to football. Uh, but you're right. His escapability, his mobility in the pocket, his ability to extend plays with his legs. And the thing is, he has that veteran presence where he's always looking downfield to make plays. I mean, when you talk about that, I just mentioned, I mean, the fact that he's throwing himself. I'm not talking about Sean McGuire because he has one, but 14 passes. This is a team that used to dink and duck. And we talked about Matt Nichols, right? It was little short passes and yak yards after the catch. Well, these guys are going, they're exploding. They're big-time plays all the time. Nick Dembski, who might be the most underrated receiver in the Canadian. This is this guy is a stud right now. I, I think he should be running for top Canadian. But, boy, I tell you what, they've got some. They've just got some talent. Yeah, Dembski. I was going to bring Dembski up. I may as well ask you, you about him right now. I mean, you know, it's so wild that we've got this story. I mean, these three studs from the same Winnipeg High School coming up. You know what? I also have to give Kyle Walters a lot of credit. And this is something that, you know, we've been talking, you know, I've been doing this since, you know, before Kyle Walters came and he, he took over a burning house. I mean, that was basically where the franchise was at that time from a personnel standpoint, post Joe Mack. And there were two things he did, Chris, that he identified right off the bat. Our Canadian talent is inferior to just about every other team in the league, and that spoke to the lack of attention that Joe Mack put towards national players on the roster. And the other thing was the offensive line. And I don't know how you could watch the Bombers during the Joe Mack era and not realize that offensive line was an issue considering how the quarterbacks were getting killed game after game. But, I mean, those two things started off, and it didn't happen overnight. But you look at this team now and what is pushing them, and never mind the local guys that are making a huge yep. impact that I think does so much for the organization, the Canadians and the O-line, the foundation that Kyle Walters said on day one that he took over was where he was starting, is, 
you know, is the starting point for what is now a championship team and a team that I think right now, at least halfway through the season, has the potential to do something very, very special, really for the first time since uh, you and the boys were uh, winning multiple cups back in the 80s. Yeah, I think that Dave, uh, like I said earlier, I mean, this this team has no weaknesses. Uh, I mean, you know, we talked about the special teams. We'll let that go for a while. We'll let that die off. Hopefully that'll come back. But uh, yeah, when you look at their, you know, the offensive line and the offense, and then you look, of course, we haven't even talked about the defense. And you got Willie Jefferson, a freak on one side, huh. and, a, and a guy that I think is having a all-star caliber year, and that's Jackson Jeffcoat. Doesn't get a lot of pump. Willie gets a lot of the pump, but I'll tell you right now, the guy on the other side of that line, boy, he really comes after you. And he, you know, he's got six force or uh, six sacks. I think he's got five force fumbles. Uh, he just makes plays. I mean, and they're getting pushed. Now, what's gonna happen when they get Steven Richardson back in the middle? Because right now they're playing with Casey Sales and obviously Jake Thomas. But they really like uh, the Steven Richardson guy because he's just a little fire plug and he pushes. Uh listen, to me, I agree. This team has Every capability of going 13. I don't even put the curse on it, but they could go 13 and one. I re- I don't know. And that's why I'm looking forward to seeing what BC does against Saskatchewan. See if they continue to get better. Because if when they start playing in BC, it's always tough to play in BC place for one. And then you get a quarterback of the caliber of Michael Riley and, you know, their team. And they got some great receivers in Burnham. And we talked about Whitehead. This is this is where I like to measure. I mean, these are teams like you know BC was in a it was terrible last year. Look how good they are this year, and then you look at uh, Montreal. I still think Montreal's tough. Toronto, what's going to happen with Chris Jones? Is he going to turn around? I <laughs> thought they were awful, awful. I I felt bad for Dinwiddie. I listened to his post conference penalties, shotgun on the on the five on the one yard line. They go shotgun offense. To, you know, three, it's just ridiculous. Bad coaching decisions. Bad tackling. Uh, poor penalties. Uh, and I think, I don't know if Rich Stubler has lost his touch. Uh, maybe he's, you know, still got it. You know, I obviously came in a short, uh, short notice, but Chris Jones, I think is going to turn that club around defensively. Yeah. Well, he, uh, he certainly will have an impact, uh, whether that yeah. will be positive or negative within the organization, <laughs> I guess we'll find. Um, but you know what? That's on the East. As far as the West goes and you mentioned BC, and I do think BC's got a lot of momentum. Yep. If they can win this game against Saskatchewan on the weekend, they'll establish themselves as the number two team in the West right now. Still with some games to play against Winnipeg. Um, but I'll tell you what, considering the calendar this year of this 14-game schedule, give me the Bombers welcoming any of these four teams to IG Field in early December for an yep. outdoor game for a spot in the Grey Cup in uh, in the Hammer in uh, in mid-December. Yeah, I think that, you know, when I think about that, I think about our prairie neighbor. I just think Saskatchewan, seriously, when it gets cold, they you know, they're very climate like us. They have the same, uh, they have the same mentality. If they stay healthy, I think they're going to be a very good football club. You know, we always used to say, bring the dome people over here in the cold weather. Bring the people from BC and Toronto, whatever, you know, we want to just mess them up a little bit because they're not used to that, right? They come out and the guys have got three layers of clothing on. You can't move. Uh, it's it's going to be very interesting, but uh, I mean, I, I think the top three, I, and they might be the top three in the league, are, are to me is really is uh, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and BC. So um, whether Calgary picks it up, I don't know. I mean, I think they got trouble. Edmonton, I agree with you. Edmonton is kind of like a question mark to me. Uh, maybe this uh, Taylor Cornelius, uh, you know, turns out to do something really good. Maybe they trade for another quarterback. They've got a good defense. They've got great receivers. 
Uh, you know, I mean, so it's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, they got, you know, James Wilder Jr. who can run the ball as well as anybody. So, listen, the West is going to be a fun race. Yeah, to me, uh, to me, I look at Edmonton as that team. If they can just yep. somehow hang in there in the absence of Trevor Harris and pick up a win or two and keep, keep themselves in the mix so that they're in it and don't need to rely on a bunch of things out of their control in the final three or four games of the season – that's right. I think that they'll be a tough out, and I think anyone, regardless of where they play Edmonton, if it is in the playoffs, you know, would ha- would have a real challenge. I'm not sure they get there because of the situation with Trevor Harris, and that's yep. something that we'll watch. I want to get back to Willie J and uh, Chef Coat for a minute. Great picture yep. of those two after the game. Willie put it on social media. They had just gone elk hunting. We all got a kick <laughs> out of that. But, you know, as a guy that spent so much time on the offensive line, Bluto, um, from an O-lineman's perspective, how problematic is lining up against a Willie Jefferson or a Jackson Jeffcoat? And, you know, take us behind what's happening in the offensive huddle when they know that those two monsters are on the opposite side of each other on the defensive line. Well, two different type players to me. I mean, Jeffcoat just keeps coming after pins your ear back. He's coming right after you all the time. That, to me... Makes it easier. I, I'd probably like to block a Jeff Colt more than I would a Willie because Willie does some different things. Willie takes a play and he'll stand there and then he jumps up with a six, seven frame, knocks the ball down. Then he'll drop and, you know, he'll drop sometimes and he'll come in the middle. He goes all over the place. I know they have the freedom to do a bunch of things defensively, but Willie's got that thing. He's got the big reach. He's six, seven. He's got the arms. Uh, like, I mean, he, the guy's an octopus. If he gets your shoulder, he's by you and he's quick. Uh, and he's also very smart. I mean, Willie is, a, they, they don't call him a freak for a reason. I mean, I'm very surprised, to be honest. With you. I, I think all the fans in the CFL should be very excited about the fact they still get to watch him here. I don't know why this guy is in this league, to be honest with you. Uh, he's that good. I think he should be in the other league. Uh, I, I think the only way you beat a Willie Jefferson is, is you run right at him. He reminds me like of an Alfred Payton. Uh, you know, not like a big, strong guy like Grover Covington. But, you know, just a guy that kind of like, he's just like Gumby. He just, he, one play comes, the next play he's dancing in front of you. Third play is taking off, going the other side. So you got to be aware whenever five is. The only way, like I say, is run at him, double tight him. Put another guy, make that make that circle for him. But then they're smart. See, the, Richie Hall's doing a good job. Then he moves him inside. So you can't get away from number five. He's just around there all the time. But the guy on the other side, 94, I mean, he's having a heck of a year. I like Jeff Cope. But I'd rather play a Jeff Coat than a Willie. Well, and, and and you know, and I'll just get your thoughts on Big Hill this season because I oh, mean, I tell God. you what, dude, he he looks like he is, um, like I don't know, he looks like he benefited from the year off. I mean, he's in incredible shape. I mean, he's playing. We talk a lot about Willie and some of the other guys, and Alford's the player of the week. To me, Adam Big Hill in the middle is um playing some of the best football we've seen of him in the Canadian Football League, and that's a very very high bar. Yeah, he's so smart. He's so intelligent. You know, he studies so much. I mean, he saw his off-season workout, a lot of plyometrics, a lot of stretching. Like, you see his flexibility. Uh, you know, he's a big boy. He can, he, you know, he can hit. He loves it. He's fast. I mean, look at the, what they did when they rotated him to safety, and he made that incredible interception uh, off Saskatchewan. You know, he went downfield and made a grab off the ground. And then last week, he's always around the football, as indicated by the fumble, the strip sack, and he takes him against Edmonton for a touchdown. He's second or third leading tackler. He calls all the defensive schemes. He knows what he's doing. He gets everybody in the right spot. This is a team that's got a bunch of new guys in the secondary, and they're all playing as a gelled unit. And a lot of it is 
when you go down, we used to call it the pyramid, your tackles, your middle linebacker, and your safety. And we got a great safety too. And I'm not taking anything away from Big Hill, but uh, Brandon Alexander is playing heck light outs too. Well, he is. And I mean, all those guys that, I mean, like the big concern coming in was, yep. you know, well, we have no DBs. It's all new guys. Um, we're talking about a rookie being the player of the week in the CFL, the pick six. I mean, that really yeah. flipped the game with DeAndre Alfred. You mentioned Dietrich Nichols. Um, you know, full credit to those young men for coming in and, Absolutely. you know, fitting in almost seamlessly into a championship level defense. But at the same time, those players certainly being helped by the excellence around them in that defensive unit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we talk about a lot of things. Each benefits, right? If you get great coverage in the secondary, you know, your defensive line can get or linebackers can get the quarterback. But if you have a great line uh, linebacking and, and defensive line, obviously they push that quarterback to make decisions a lot quicker. Maybe you get an error and throw. Maybe you get an interception. But I tell you what, I love listening to uh, DeAndre Alford when he said he studied uh, you know, the, the receiver on uh, which uh, Walker Walker on uh, Edmonton and said, I knew exactly how he lines up. If he's on the hash, if he's inside the hash, what kind of pattern he likes to run. I jumped it, picked off and took it for six. Smart guy. That's film study. And that's, that you know, exemplified right there. All right, Bluto, last one for you. We cannot yeah. forget the birthday boy. Um, it's been pretty amazing to see Mike O'Shea form the culture of this oh, football yeah. team, go through some real tough times early on. Uh, and now kind of, well, obviously get to the top of the mountain in 2019 and continue going forth. Um, you know, you mentioned what he has meant, the player that he was, and now what he's meant to the culture of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But um, just your thoughts on the job that Mike O'Shea is doing and what he has created here in Winnipeg that right now sits at the top of the league midway through the season. Well, the players love him. That's the biggest thing. He's a player's coach. He protects everything. He keeps everything inside. He's a human umbrella. You can't get to him. You can't you, you can't get stuff on players because he protects them all. I love the way the guy played. Listen, the guy's a leading Canadian tackler, I believe. I played against him. He was tough as nails back then. He's tough as nails right now. I love the fact that he's a guy that likes to go hunt and have a cold beer. You, you know, he's my kind of guy, man. I mean, I would love to have a, had a chance to play with him as a teammate. Uh, I just think he's created a culture here. And that, again, you hit it on the head, Huss, when you said it. It starts at the top. Kyle Walters, Wade Miller, now Coach O'Shea. All these guys have created this atmosphere, this culture. We got professional chefs cooking lunch for these guys. Man, I never would have left the damn locker room. I would have stayed there all the time. <laughs> hey, so, well, you know I mean, what? I just they're like also, what they're doing. They're also all Canadian. Um, yes, I, I, yep. I, there you, you go. Know, I, I was asked about this yesterday in the program. And, you know, we just sort of think of these guys, the guys running the Blue Bombers. But – um, how important do you think that is for the Absolutely. success? Like they uh, seem to understand this league, what makes it tick. And I mean, I give away a ton of the credit for the way that, you know, he's put this all together. The guys that he's put in these jobs, the way they treat the players, because they seem to have organizationally a leg up on a number of their counterparts in the CFL right now. Well, you mentioned Joe Mack. Perfect example, right? You know, half Clueless. the time he was in the States, he didn't really care. I mean, he a lot of these guys that come up from the States, too. I mean, I, we've had uh, Daryl Rogers. I mean, he was good to the O-line. But a lot of these guys come up with the mentality that, you know what, you're Canadian. You are not as good as a, as a you know, as an American guy coming out of university. And especially if you come from a big school like an LSU or in Alabama, most of those guys, you know, go to the NFL, but still. Uh, so, you know, that was the mentality he had to fight back then. And I think Cal was the first guy that recognized when I played with Cal Murphy. Cal was one of the first guys as a, as a GM who and as a coach who said, we need Canadians. And then we, it fell off when Ryan Bolt came. 
and then Joe Mack. And Joe Mack, I think, basically destroyed that organization, you know. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I think the fact that you hit on the head, the fact that the Canadians understand this game, they understand what it means to win and what do you have to have, the ingredients need to make a perfect pudding. That's what they're doing. Wobby, you are the best. It was so great to see you at the Banjo Bowl. And what Amen, a gr- great, great day that was for uh, the team and, of course, for the Blue Bomber fan base. And uh, obviously, I think everyone here loving the fact that you're still chopping it up with Darren over at Bonfire Sports before each game. Uh, we will do this again very soon. Thanks so much. If Anytime. I was here, I would cheers you with the cold little brown jug. But we'll have to wait till we meet in person to do that. Maybe for a road game sometime, big guy. There you go, brother. I'll tell you what, anytime, guys. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure, brother. Oh, oh there he is. The best in the biz, Chris Walby at Big Bluto 63, joining us in Winnipeg Sports Talk, talking about the first place Blue Bombers. Man, he's a joy to talk to. What a legend. Uh, great to have him on the program. And yes, if you haven't checked out Game Day Winnipeg over on Darren's YouTube channel, make sure you do that before each and every Bomber game. Bombing and Walby. Break it all down for you and get ready for a kickoff. All right, Mike McIntyre coming up. We're going to switch from the Blue Bombers to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, before we do that, a big shout out to Nick and Nikki and the DQ group for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Four locations in Winnipeg, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. I guess three in Winnipeg, technically, and one just outside the city in Neverville. Uh, the amazing ultimate grill burger, fries, chicken fingers. I mean, a great place to eat, uh, but the ice cream is always the star of the show, whether it's a blizzard, a dilly bar, buster bar, maybe to take home for the kids, or one of those amazing DQ ice cream cakes. Nick and Nikki have you covered at any one of their four locations. And if you'd like to order a cake, do it online in advance. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll have it ready and waiting for you, quick and easy to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. Of course, not Auto Corp, great sponsor of ours from day number one. They've just opened up the new Winnipeg Car Lab over at Waverly and McGilvery alongside Not Auto Corp. The Car Lab will be doing wraps, tinting, striping as well as rims and other modifications. If you're into that sort of thing or think you may have a need, it maybe a corporate wrap, hit them up. You can get them, of course, by going down to Not Auto Corp, or you can follow them on any of the socials at Winnipeg Car Lab. And they're also doing that great contest to win a Tesla for a weekend. And as far as the uh, main dealership, if you're looking for a new ride, why not get the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Waverly and McGilvery, or check them out online at knot.ca. Uh, I know many of you maybe headed out last night for a couple of uh, cold ones, maybe some wings and a pizza. No better place to do that for Monday Night Football or any night than Boston Pizza. Jet season just around the corner. We'll be getting together again to watch those games. Of course, the Thursday night are coming up. Ryder Cup on the weekend. Blue Jays playoff race. It's always on in the Boston Pizza Lounge. But if you're planning on doing it at home, they'll bring the great taste of BP right to you. You can order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get to some Jets talk. We are less than 48 hours from the official beginning of training camp. And it's been a minute since we've had our pal Mike McIntyre on the program. Mike joins us now to get ready to get things going for a hockey season in Winnipeg. Mike, what's good? How are you, my friend? Hey, Huss. Always good. Uh, best time of the year, I think, for sports. This is I I love September, right? You get uh, MLB stretch drive, NFL kickoff, CFL in full flight, and 
of course, hockey gets going and uh, it's a great time of year to be a sports fan or a sports reporter or broadcaster, that's for sure. No, it is all happening right now. I mean, these few weekends with the NFL getting going, I mean, the Banjo Bowl week for me is always incredible. You got the Banjo Bowl on Saturday. They had that CFL triple header and then the full slate of NFL games. And, you know, it also means that hockey season is just about here. Now, uh, players all in town, they went through the uh, the media stuff yesterday, got their hair done and got some nice pictures for the for the Jumbotron and balls in the gang for everything that they'll be doing video-wise over the course of the year. Uh, I know there's the dreaded fitness testing that will happen over the course of the next 48 hours, but then we are live with Jets training camp on Thursday. But before we talk about Thursday, I know you've been taking in minicamp. I mean, we don't really spend too much time on it because in a lot of ways, it's just a way for these younger players, in my opinion, to you know, prepare themselves and get ready for what will happen in main camp. But there are a number of new faces and some new names that have been unfamiliar to Winnipeg Jet fans. I mean, take us uh, take us out to minicamp. I mean, anything sort of stand out for you? Any players that have maybe said to you, Mike, that they're ready to go up against the big boys come Thursday? Yeah, I think with minicamp, you're right. I mean, there's a number of guys they signed in the offseason, you know, free agents, Svechnikov, Luke Johnson, Mikey Esamont, uh, Austin Pagansky. These are names that maybe not a lot of fans are familiar with. They're going to be guys that are probably battling for those, you know, 13th forward spots and maybe shuttling back and forth between the farm and the big club kind of all season long. And let's face it, you need those guys, right? You, you hope you don't have to tap into them too much, but you need some depth uh, because inevitably uh, over what is now going to be an 82 game season, uh, you're going to get injuries and uh, you're going to need call up. So this was a chance to get some of those new guys acclimatized at a great chat yesterday, actually with both Luke Johnson and Austin Pagansky, kind of a fun little story, Huss. These guys were teammates. In fact, they were line mates on UND uh, five years ago when, uh, when the Fighting Hawks won the Frozen Four. So these guys played just a couple hours down the highway together uh, in, Nor- in North Dakota. Um, Luke Johnson's actually from Grand Forks. And Austin Pagansky, how's this for a small little hockey story? His parents and Nate Schmidt's parents live on the same street in St. Cloud. These two guys, These two guys went to the same high school together, and now they're both members of the Winnipeg Jets organization. So... Uh, you know, I had a good chat with them. I think a lot of eyes, though, at least mine and I think a lot of other scribes that were down there, were certainly on the big guns, right? The Cole Perfettis, the Billy Hainalas, David Gustafson, Christian Veselainen. Let me say this, Huss. I talked to David Gustafson yesterday. He has looked really, really good. Uh, he is a big man, and he's still a young man for sure. This is a guy that was the most valuable player for the Moose last season. Uh, Jets fans, you know, didn't get to see a whole lot of him. He played a few games, spent some time on the taxi squad. To me, and when we get going here on training camp this week, David Gustafson is the guy that has the biggest chance. And I'd throw Christian Veselainen into that mix as well, because as we know, there was some turnover this summer. The entire fourth line is gone, right? The Dirty 30s, Perot, Lewis, Thompson, and of course, Mason Appleton's now in Seattle there are some jobs to be won uh, on that fourth line and and perhaps, you know, as a third-line winger with Kopp and Lowry. And I would put Gustafson and Veselainen certainly on the top of the list of guys that are going to be fighting for those jobs. And they both, to me, look really good, especially Gustafson. 
Uh, again, you have to take it with a bit of a grain of salt, you know, who, who they're out there with. It's not the elite uh, of the NHL. That'll happen starting Thursday. Uh, but David Gustafson looks to me like a guy who's ready to grab a job, whether it's the fourth line center or perhaps he shifts to the wing. As he said yesterday, he's willing to play anywhere in the lineup if it means getting in the lineup. Yeah. And, and, and you know, as we transition to the main camp, um, you know, I mean, there's a number of stories and we'll talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois quite a bit, I'm sure. But unlike the defense that seems pretty set, yeah, uh, it's almost a reversal from what's happened in the last few years. More <laughs> unsure of what the defense was, but having a pretty good idea about, you know, maybe too many guys for not enough spots up front. Completely reversed this year, Mike. And you yeah. know, when we get going with Thursday, I mean, everyone's going to be watching the Shifleys and Ehlers and Wheeler just to see how they're doing as they kind of get into the preseason. But I think from day one of camp, the competition amongst the likes of Veselainen, Toninato, Jansen Harkins, David Gustafson, Riley Nash for the spot alongside presumably Lowry and Cop, and a starting spot on line number four, right. um, you know, to me is the most interesting part of this training camp because to be honest, ever since those trades were made and Paul Stasley was re-signed, I mean, we've talked a lot about the excitement of the upcoming season, but there hasn't really been any big issues with the team. Uh, no. Now, I'm not sure as this is much an issue, but it's still very much up in the air as to how that all shakes out. Yeah, you just identified. I think there's four four forward jobs that are up for grabs, right? Like, it's pretty clear who the top eight are on the in the forwards for the Jets. And I would argue it's also pretty clear who the top six defense are. Paul Maurice, last week, he talked to us just when development or minicamp got underway. He didn't name the names, but he actually flat out said, I know the six guys in my head that are going to be on my blue line. He wouldn't tell us who's going to play with who, but I think we all know who those six guys are, right? I mean, uh, DeMello, Stanley, Pionk, uh, Brendan Dillon, Josh Morrissey, and Nate Schmidt. Uh, And you got Nate Bolio, who we're told is 100% ready to go. Is he the seventh defenseman? Uh, Obviously, Sammy Niku is no longer part of the organization. Uh, and if, if Bolio's there, I mean, I know Billy Hainala fans aren't going to like to hear that. But the fact is, if Billy Hainala is going to just be the seventh defenseman on the Jets, he's better off at least to start the year being the number one defenseman on the Manitoba Moose, uh, who are also playing a full season this year, right? So I think that's the most likely scenario. Dylan Sandberg's going to be there as well. And you know how I set this mini camp, I will say, it jumped out to me. I mean, I mentioned Veselainen and Gustafson and Perfetti. There's some really nice, obviously, forward guys in the pipeline. The depth of the Jets' blue line, though, now, and not just at the NHL level, but the waiting in the wings level, is mighty impressive. From Hanola, Samberg, Johnny Kovacevic, who looks like a guy that very much could be an NHL player one day. And I'd add Declan Chisholm into that mix as well. And Leon Gavante, who... Fans are going to get to watch play for Germany at the Olympics, uh, setting up Leon Dreisaitl for one-timers on the German power play. Like, the Jets have a lot of really interesting pieces, big but mobile puck-moving guys on their back end now. And that's a position uh, which once was a weakness just a few years ago. 
appears to now be a, a real strength in this organization. Well, l- let's talk about that for a minute. And I brought this up over the course of the past week because it does seem to me, and it's a strange conversation to have when we talk about the Winnipeg Jets on all of our conversations about the blue line for the last couple of years. But you're exactly right. And <clears throat> when Paul Maurice says he knows who the six guys are, I don't think you need to be a brain surgeon to figure out that Logan Stanley and the five guys that are signed for a minimum of three years right. are that group. How much of a challenge is it for the organization to keep spirits up, motivation up, and chins up for players like Billy Hanel and Dylan Sandberg, who, to be honest, were they in other organizations, would have a much, much better chance of cracking an NHL lineup at some point, especially early this season? Right. Well, I would agree, us, but I would say the Logan Stanley story should almost serve as a motivator for those guys, right? Logan Stanley is a guy that came into camp last year, was on nobody's radar to actually make the Jets. He was an afterthought. He wasn't even in the first group the first day, if you go back. Remember those groups? Stanley was in group two, which is never a good sign. Exactly. So my point being, Mm -hmm. uh, things can change in a hurry, and they can change because of two factors – One would be injury, and we know, I mean, no team gets through a full NHL season with the same six defensemen, right? You're going to need a lot more than six guys. And we saw last year, Tucker Pullman went down the first game. Dylan uh, Dylan DeMello wasn't available for the first few games. Like, the Jets' defense suddenly took a real turn, and we've seen that time after time. So if I'm a Hanola or a Sandberg or whatever – I'm not getting too down, and I'm certainly not coming to training camp hanging my head thinking, woe is me, Uh, I don't even have an opening here, because that can change in a hurry. And the other thing would be performance, both on the negative side that, you know, a guy plays his way out of a job, or on the positive side, like what Logan Stanley did last year in camp and earlier in the year, he basically forced his way into the lineup. So uh, I would think, although I'm sure it's a bit discouraging, Uh, these guys being pro athletes should almost use this as an extra motivator uh, because they know their time is coming and they're probably not going to have to wait a whole long time here to get an opportunity. They just better be ready when opportunity comes knocking. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, getting us ready for Winnipeg Jets training camp, which begins Thursday here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, Mike, as far as the forwards go, I mean, we sort of laid out the battle when it comes to that spot with Lowry and Appleton, as well as the uh, the fourth line. The other wild card in all of this is Cole Perfetti. Yeah. And, you know, Perfetti, and I'm sure most people know this, but, you know, in a normal year, Perfetti would have two options. You play in the National Hockey League or you go back to the Ontario Hockey League. I, I don't think that there's much to gain at all for Cole Perfetti back in the OHL, considering no. the season he had last year in the American League, the World Juniors, playing in the World Championships. If they had not made the rule change, I think there's a very good chance that Perfetti's on the Jets this year, but, you know, a guy that probably doesn't play a ton, you know, is in and out of the lineup, spends a lot of bag skates after practice and a lot of time eating popcorn in the press box. I don't think that's the plan for the organization. That would be kind of a, a best of a worst case scenario given those two. The fact that the AHL option is there, I think makes it almost a no brainer that he spends a good portion of the time here. That being said, Mike, uh, with injury 
comes opportunity. There's always the potential that he could be a guy that comes up and actually plays a role more suited to what I think they envision him as an NHLer. And that is more of a top six guy as opposed to a guy playing five or six or seven or eight minutes on a fourth line. Um, but I know he said he came in, his goal is to make the Winnipeg Jets. He had a very impressive year last year. What do you make of Perfetti's situation and realistic possibility of making a dent in the NHL lineup this year? Right. You know, we talked about Lowry and Kopp and that that third line right wing spot. And of course, we're assuming that the top six is some combination of of Shifley, Connor, Ehlers, Dubois, Stasny, and Wheeler. And I think that's a pretty safe bet that the, the, the top two lines are going to be some combination of those six skaters. Andrew Kopp, sure, he could force his way into that top six. And we saw that at times last year. Could Andrew Kopp be in the top six and maybe a guy like Stasny moves down with, with Lowry? I guess that's possible. But to me, the prime spot that if you're a young player right now in the Jets, whether it's Cole Perfetti, Christian Veselainen, Jansen Harkins, the spot I'm eyeing in training camp, Huss, is that third-line winger spot with Lowry and Kopp. We've seen players, Mason Appleton being the most recent, but Jack Roslevic, uh, was in that spot. Brandon Tanev was in that spot. Guys who go to that spot and prove that they can hang with the likes of Kopp and Lowry, they do really, really well, right? And I'm I'm intrigued by who gets the first crack at that. And to go back to your point about Cole Perfetti, if I had a wish list for preseason and, and these six preseason games, I'd love to just see what Cole Perfetti on the wing with Lowry and Kopp for one game would look like. And I'd say the same thing about Christian Veselainen. I'd like to see him get a look at that spot. I suspect we might see Riley Nash get a look in that spot as well. Um, That would take on, to me, much more of a checking role. Riley Nash is not a a point-producing offensive guy. Uh, And it all depends on what Paul Maurice wants to do, I guess, with that spot. Uh, but I will say, I mean, Cole Perfetti could absolutely force his way into this conversation. Um, and, and yeah, I don't think the Jets want him sitting in the press box, as you say, eating popcorn as the 13th guy. But again, if there's a wide open competition for as many as four forward spots, I think Cole Perfetti comes to training camp here this week with a chance to win one of those four starting spots in the top 12. And it's just a question of, of where that might be and and who he might gel best with. And maybe it's coming in on the wing, playing with a couple of real responsible guys like Kopp and Lowry that gets that, that door kicked open. We shall uh, see. BA in chat makes a good point. Um, there's no Mark Shifley for game number one of the season. Right. Might Perfetti get a spot even higher, like essentially in the top six for game number one of the season, considering um, 55 will be unavailable until game two of 82. Yeah, so to me, that's where Andrew Kopp probably jumps into the top six for game one. And you're probably looking at your top two centers for game one being Pierre-Luc Dubois and Paul Stasny. That's just my guess. Um, I guess Andrew Kopp could center a line. We've seen him play center, but you're probably seeing Stasny and Dubois and then Kopp moves up into the top six for one night only. However, Paul Maurice may actually prefer to just get his other line set and whoever Lowry and Kopp he feels is a good fit with, 
Maybe he doesn't want to mess with that. Maybe he will. They're on the road to start. Maybe he wants that line set up a certain way. So there are options for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the door is going to open to, to that uh, individual's point. The door will open for a roster spot, at least for one night only, that wouldn't otherwise be available because Mark Shifley is going to be MIA for that that first game. Now, it's funny you brought up Dubois because I think Dubois might have more attention on him at training camp than maybe any other player because of the way things went and didn't go well for him after the trade last season. And never mind training camp, going into game number one of the season without Mark Shifley, um, he'll be out there wearing a new number. Um, but I think, like, there, I don't want to say there's going to be unrealistic pressure on Dubois, but people are going to be wanting to see uh, a better player and results right out of the gate. And the fact that Shifley's not going to be there in game number one, I think uh, it'll mean even more for Dubois to maybe get off to a good start, even if it's just one game when the Jets drop the puck on the 2021-22 season. Yeah, to Pierre-Luc Dubois' credit, he's saying all the right things here in, in you know, as we head into camp. Um, he's done a couple of interviews so far where he's made comments about, you know, the obvious difficulties of last year and just never feeling comfortable after coming over in that trade. Of course, he had the quarantine and then he got injured a couple times and it was just a real strange year, right? Lots of stops and starts for him. He's had an entire summer now to train and, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois said he's skated more this summer than he ever has before. He said he feels like he's got sort of a new lease on life. He's coming in with a clean slate. All of that is great. Ultimately, though, you know, you got to walk the walk, right? Like nobody wants to just hear the talk. Um, And there is going to be increased pressure on Pierre-Luc Dubois because I think you know, we we all know where a team, uh, especially a team that is supposed to contend, they need to have some real strength up the middle. And the kind of performance we saw more nights than not from Pierre-Luc Dubois last season, uh, that's not going to cut it for a guy who, frankly, there's a lot bigger expectations are. And when you're trading a Patrick Lyonnais and throwing in a Jack Roslevic, uh, that's bringing some mighty big shoes to fill, right? So, um, you know, let's give him a pass, I guess, for last season because of all the uniqueness to it. Uh, and let's hope he does come in here and he can back up the things that he's been saying in the offseason with a, a real strong start to the season. He's a guy that desperately needs it. And the Jets certainly could use that from a, a player that they're certainly counting on for sig- significant contributions. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's sort of like, you know, a buddy kind of meeting up with you mid-round of golf. And uh, he's starting on like the 11th tee and Shanks went into the bush. You'll give him the mulligan. But now you're playing going forward. There's only one per round. So uh, they're now getting to the first tee box. They've had a nice warm up. They're ready to go. We'll see how this next round goes with the Winnipeg Jets for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, Captain Blake Wheeler, uh, always a topic of conversation around here. I mean, a huge part of the team. Uh, Many people thought that, you know, he wasn't up to snuff last year. He was hurt for a while. And then you look, he had almost a point a game, although very effective on the power play. Um, Here's my question for you. With Ehlers' growth into a star in the National Hockey League, um, 
How do you see the right wing position starting off at the beginning of the year, um, as well as Ehlers' spot on the power play? Is there room for both of those guys on PP1? Because it would seem to behoove the Winnipeg Jets to get 27 out there as much as they can, considering how productive he's been and the player that he's turned into. Well, in my eyes, Huss, whatever line Nikolai Ehlers is on, that's your top line. I mean, full stop, right? Like, Nikolai Ehlers is your best right winger. Uh, and and to me, it's not even really close anymore. He is the guy. And I think a lot of the offense needs to be built around Nikolai Ehlers. And I think he's proven that he's absolutely up for that task. He's a guy who wants more, who wants more responsibility and who can now excel when the stakes are high, right? He used to be a guy, he had the knack that, you know, disappeared when the playoffs began. I think the last two seasons, He's he's kind of silenced any of those critics who thought that, you know, he he disappears when the games get biggest. He's he's proven to be a big game performer and he's a guy who's uh, coming into camp here. And I think he's going to be given a lot more responsibility. As for the power play, I'd say the same thing. Whatever power play unit Nikolai Ehlers is on, that should be your number one power play. But as we know around here, traditionally. He's been on what is referred to as the second group, a.k.a. the group that doesn't have Shifley uh, in the past, didn't have line A, you know, uh, Blake Wheeler feeding passes. Um, and frustrating to many is the fact that that second unit with Ehlers would often only get out for maybe 30 seconds. They'd maybe get a chance for one rush. And usually it was Ehlers dazzling with a zone entry, which he's so smooth at. Uh, but then time would quickly run out. I, I think we did see, though, a change towards the end of last season, Huss. Um, and this was Paul Maurice, I think, uh, you know, showing that he can maybe adjust uh, and he's not quite as stubborn as as he has been in the past. They were starting the Ehlers power play at times. Like, that became the de facto number one unit, even though he it was still the same personnel. Uh, but... Paul Maurice recognized what he had in a red hot Ehlers and began to tap into that a bit more. So that is going to be another storyline to watch for sure. Does he, does he shuffle the, the troops, if you will, on the top power play unit and get Ehlers on there? And if he doesn't, does Nikolai Ehlers get more opportunity on the so-called second unit? And I think it would behoove Paul Maurice one way or the other to find a way to work Nikolai Ehlers more into the mix. Yeah, you know, and it's funny you mentioned that speaking specifically to the power plays because in the second half of last season, you're exactly right. Um, you know, even if the PP1 guys were going out first, they weren't staying out for a minute and a half or a minute 40 like it happened routinely in the past. I mean, it really was more. And you know what? If things didn't go in the first 45 seconds, they would switch them up sometimes even earlier. And again, depending on, I think, who was last on the ice, often and just who was freshest that was who they were starting so uh but i am fascinated to see how that works and hey speaking of the power play while we're at it um you know we know who the defensemen are going to be and you know we've got a pretty good idea about how the defense pairings are going to shake out the one thing that we don't know is who are going to be the point men on the first couple power play units and the fact that nate schmidt is all of a sudden in the mix and I mean, I think you could absolutely make an argument that Neil Pionk was the most effective jet defenseman on the power play last year. Um, Josh Morrissey's been a mainstay of that, often on the top unit. 
Um, do you think that there'll be legitimate competition for those spots, Mike? And, you know, just spitballing before we get to training camp, how do you see that playing out over the next few weeks before things get going for real? For sure, Haas. That's a great question and one that I'll be watching closely because you basically have three defensemen in, as you mentioned, Pionk, Schmidt, and Morrissey. And if the Jets deploy the 4-1 kind of setup that they have on their power play usually, that only leaves two spots for a defenseman. So the question to me is, do the Jets bump either one of Morrissey or Pionk in favor of Schmidt and move one of those guys off a power play unit? Or do they change the way they set their power play up? And do they, do they go with two defensemen maybe on the second unit? And I do wonder, like, to me, I think Josh Morrissey and Nate Schmidt are probably the pairing we see at least to start. Uh, like on, on five on five, that and it's probably Dylan and uh, Dylan and Pionk is probably your second pair. Um, maybe maybe that doesn't happen, but if that's the case, I do wonder if Neil Pionk stays with PP one, and then maybe do you go with Morrissey and Schmidt on the second unit? Don't forget Matthew Perot. Uh, was one of the the fixtures on the second power play unit last year. He's gone. So I suppose you could stick with uh, the same personnel that you had, which would be, I guess, Dubois, Kopp, and Ehlers, and go with two defensemen. And then that would leave, you know, um, that would leave Wheeler, Shifley, Connor, and Stasny, which traditionally was the top power play unit. So maybe you go... Four forwards, one D on the top unit, three forwards, two D on the second unit, just to try and get all those guys in the mix. But yeah, that's a great question and something that we'll uh, we'll have to get sorted out here. Uh, and unlike last year, Hus, the good news is they got six preseason games. Right, last year there was no, there were no exhibition games, and you kind of jumped in with both feet right into the fire off the hop. They've got some time to work these things out, and that'll be one of the storylines to keep an eye on for sure. Mike, uh, before we go, uh, not much to talk about on the starting goaltender other than uh, maybe a guess on an over-under as to how many games that he plays this season. Uh, But he won't play 82, and someone else has to make up those other starts, and it's Eric Comrie. And I will say this. I mean, I've been pretty clear. I think that, you know, he's played five games for the Winnipeg Jets. A few of them were, you know, pretty underwhelming performances by the guys in front of him. And I don't think we should judge Eric Comrie on five games with the Winnipeg Jets. He's had a great AHL career. But all that being said, he's far from proven at this level. Um, How important is it for Eric Comrie that he have a great camp, strong performances in the preseason, and sort of before we even get to the regular season, reassure Paul Maurice, Kevin Sheveldayoff, and the Winnipeg Jets that he is up for the challenge of being a number two for Connor Hellebuck for a full NHL year. Okay, so I'll start with the over-under, Huss. I'll set it at 65 for Connor Hellebuck and give me the over. (laughs) Um, With one little disclaimer, and I do wonder how much this is going to factor in this year. Connor Hellebuck is probably going to be the starting goalie for the U.S. team at the Winter Olympics. Uh, that's not an easy assignment in the middle of a season, right? To, to go over to Beijing. Uh, and, you know, so while the rest of the league kind of gets their rest, guys that aren't going to be playing at the Olympics, Connor Hellebuck's probably going to be playing some really, really high-stakes hockey. 
uh, in the middle of a season. And so I do wonder, does that factor into his usage? Um, because the last thing you want is Connor Hellebuck running out of gas in late March, early April, right? That would be the worst case scenario. Uh, and I suppose to a degree, the play of Eric Comrie will factor into um, how much gas they can leave in the tank for Connor Hellebuck. Paul Maurice, we asked him last week about Eric Comrie. I asked him flat out, are you confident that, that Eric Comrie can be a backup NHL goaltender? And Paul Maurice said, absolutely. This is a guy, he's beloved in the room and there's no question about it. Guys love to, to rally in, in, you know, for Eric Comrie. And I suspect we're going to see the Jets do everything they can when he's in net to try and make his life as, as easy as possible. That said, this is a performance-based business, right? You don't get ahead by being well-liked in the room. you got to perform. And the backup goalie position is a difficult one at the best of times in the NHL. And it's even more difficult when you're playing behind a perennial Vesna Trophy finalist. And especially on a team that is expected to go places. Um, Eric Comrie has the job by default, basically, out of camp. But there's no question, Huss, that there's going to be some early pressure uh, when he gets in for his first games to perform. And that pressure could really be ramped up, for example, if the Birdman gets in some exhibition action and then goes down to the moose and is playing, you know, lights out hockey early in the year. Um, and I suppose there would be pressure potentially to look outside the organization for a more veteran option. And we know there are goaltenders right now, guys with NHL pedigree as backups and whatnot, that don't have hockey homes right now. Probably just waiting on opportunities. So, yeah, there's going to be pressure on Eric Comrie um, because in a league where the, the line between success and failure is often very thin, you can't afford, you know, whether it's 15 or 18 games that Comrie plays, you can't just afford to sort of throw those games away and say, well, well, we'll get enough in the other games to kind of get us through. You're going to need Eric Comrie to play some really good hockey, and uh, we'll see if he's up to the task. Mike McIntyre with us. Hey, Mike, you mentioned Beijing, and we know that Connor Hellebuck's going to be there. But before we go, I wanted to ask yeah. you, um, what do you think the chances of Blake Wheeler playing in, in Beijing? I mean, I was thinking it was sort of maybe more a 50-50 chance assuming that he is committed and wants to do it. I mean, you know, he's already been there. He may think that that time off might really help him for the second half, and I can't speak for him. But assuming that he wants to go, I've seen him on more than uh, of the of the USA team list that we've seen put up by people following it south of the border. He's on more of them than he's not on. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Mark Shifley, in his situation, battling for one of the spots on Team Canada, Um how extra motivated do you think Mark Shifley is going to be in these first three, four months of the season to show that he belongs with McDavid and McKinnon and all the top Canadian stars on, you know, what could be his best chance ever to represent Canada to win a gold medal medal right in the prime of his career? Yeah, to me, I mean, I don't buy, I know some think Mark Shifley's position on Team Canada is in peril. I think Mark Shifley's on Team Canada. Now, is he is he a, a, a top three center on Team Canada? Probably not. He may have to play the wing. Uh, there's going to be a lot of really good centers that are going to have to to 
take on a bit of a different role uh, to play for Team Canada. I, I think Mark Shifley's there, but for sure, uh, I don't think he's coming into the season just assuming he's a shoe-in, so it will add an extra bit of motivation for him. You know, as for Blake Wheeler, that's a real interesting one to me, and if I'm the, the American brass, like I'm looking at Blake Wheeler thinking – we could have him on our team. He's not going to be playing on our top two lines, you know, five on five. They could use him as a fourth line right winger on a on a deep American team, but they could also use him as a guy on the power play, right? Everybody knows what Blake Wheeler can do and and his ability to find guys in traffic and feather those passes in. That skill hasn't eroded one bit. Yeah, he's a little bit slower then maybe he he was a couple years ago. And there's certain things with, with age and time that obviously catch up to you. His hands, his vision is still top-notch. And you look at the kind of guys on, on the U.S. team that, you know, he could potentially be feeding on the top power play unit there and then playing, you know, a, a lesser role five-on-five. Five. That's got to be enticing for sure. And, you know, we know there's not going to be just like a training camp to figure out who's on these these Olympic teams, it's going to be based on, you know, pedigree and past performance and and current performance for sure. So I think Blake Wheeler is very much on the radar. And, uh, you know, the Jets would love, obviously, him to get off to a good start to this season because it would benefit them. It would also probably benefit Blake Wheeler and his chances for going to Beijing. Uh, if you pump true serum into Paul Maurice and Kevin Shevel day off and said that, Hey, it's up to you guys. If your captain goes to the Olympics, you think <laughs> they'd rather have them take a month off? Oh yeah. I mean, for sure. And you know, I haven't crunched the numbers in looking at the jets versus other teams, but you know, we know Nikolai Ehlers is going over there for Denmark. Kyle Connor should be a shoe in to be on the American team. We mentioned Shifley. We mentioned Hellebuck like, if you lose five of your best players, like let's say Wheeler does go, now you've got Wheeler, Shifley, Ehlers, Connor, Hellebuck, to lose those guys and to have them go, I mean, it's great for them. It's great for hockey on an international map. You're right, though. I mean, uh, are there going to be a lot of other teams losing five top players? And and what could that mean down the road? It's it's yet another storyline to sort of follow as we get going here. Mike, this is great. Uh, I really enjoyed the piece today in the Winnipeg Free Press. If you haven't seen it already, uh, the title is Jets Brass, Brass Breathing Either, Easier Right Now. I can tell you that, uh, you know, being in this program and seeing the chat every day, I think you could say the same thing about the fan base after Kevin Cheveldayoff's big summer. Uh, but the expectations are high. Excitement levels are high. And, man, we're going to have asses in seats on Sunday night at Canada Life Center for the first time in, what, 20 months or something like that? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Winnipeg, uh, the Bombers were the first uh, to host sort of an outdoor mass gathering sports related. Right? I think the Bombers CFL season opener was the biggest gathering since the pandemic began outdoors for a sporting event. And I haven't looked to see if anybody's playing a home game before the Jets this this Sunday, but we know a lot of Canadian teams are still not at 100% capacity. The Jets will be. And so I don't know if I'm going on a limb here to suggest that the this Sunday, this may be the biggest indoor sports gathering since the pandemic began. And once again, Winnipeg will be front and center. And yeah, I can't wait to uh, get into the rink, which by the way, is called Canada Life Center, folks. It's no longer Bell MTS Place. 
Um, not, but familiar, yeah, it, not familiar with that old sponsor. Not familiar yeah, with who you're talking it, about. Uh, it should be a great atmosphere. Um, and it'll make it, you know, probably not just your typical sleepy preseason affair. There, there should be a buzz in the rink that we haven't seen for quite some time. I can't wait. No doubt. Hey, before we go, uh, what else do you have uh, cooking up in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press as we uh, dive into training camp on Thursday? Yeah, so um, Jay Bell, uh, my colleague, and I will have an extensive preview running in Thursday's edition of the paper, kind of teeing up all the big storylines and questions and battles. And uh, I don't want to give away too much, but this Saturday, Haas, I got a piece that I'm really excited about. It's it's a, a, a deeper dive, a longer read uh, that it's Jets related, uh, and it ties into sort of the excitement around the team and and training camp. Uh, I've done a ton of interviews and got some writing to finish up on it this week. So I won't spoil my own story too much. Just say if you're a fan of the Jets, uh, you'll want to keep an eye on the Saturday uh, free press for uh, a, a bigger feature from yours truly. Hey, one last thing. I did see that tweet that you put out yesterday at that virtual town hall tomorrow at yes. noon. You guys are putting it on. Uh, Steve Lyons, the sports editor, is going to be there. Uh, Janet McMahon from a Sports Manitoba. She's, of course, yeah. the CEO. And Wade Miller. Uh, tell us about that. I'm not sure. I know there was an RSVP, but I'm sure there's some people here in the chat that might be interested to check that out. Yeah, thanks for uh, reminding me of that, Huss. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's a free event. Uh, it's a one-hour kind of virtual town hall um, I tweeted the link out yesterday and you just got to go grab your free ticket. So it's from noon to one, uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, and, uh, we're taking questions from participants. We're going to talk about things like, you know, the bombers bringing fans back in and the jets welcoming fans. It's sort of looking, um, we're going to talk minor sports as well. Like hockey tryouts are happening across the province right now. So Janet McMahon will be able to talk a bit about that. And just kind of the whole idea of getting back to a sense of normalcy. Uh, it's part of a series that Free Press has been doing. So this week, we're looking at it from a sports perspective. And yeah, a couple of great guests Steve Lyons and I will be chatting with. And folks, uh, if you've got your lunch hour free tomorrow, uh, go grab that free ticket and uh, we'll see you online. Great stuff, Mike. Thanks for doing this. We'll see you at the rink very soon. And uh, always love having you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. People loving your appearance. And they're as fired up as we all are to get going with uh, this training camp and this upcoming season. Awesome. Thanks, folks. Take care. Right on. There he is, Mike McIntyre. Give him a follow on Twitter. And, of course, check out all of his work covering the Jets at winnipegfreepress.com and in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. Great stuff with Mike. We'll get Remo in here in a second. Uh, I do want to give a big thanks to our friends at Little Brown Jug. The uh, 1919, the icon of local beers, uh, not to mention all those other great products they had in for the summer. The Hefeweizen, the summer lager, still available. And of course, you can get those special pride-themed Little Brown Jug 1919 cans by popping down to the tap room on William Avenue or ordering online with delivery citywide at littlebrownjug.ca. And if you have not been to the taproom yet on William Avenue, uh, looks like it's going to be pretty nice coming up this weekend and as well as the next few days. Make a point of getting out there before the snow flies. Uh, just a great spot. The beer is incredible, um, but really, really have enjoyed popping down a Little Brown Jug. It's a great spot if you haven't seen it. William Avenue, find out more at littlebrownjug.ca. And by the way, check their events page too. 
They had uh, they had a pooch party last weekend. I know they've got some more entertainment coming up this weekend. Uh, uh, before you're thinking on heading out, check out the events page because there's some great stuff happening down at Little Brown Jug. And, of course, you can pick up all the good stuff to take home there as well uh, coming up. And, of course, a big thanks for an incredible season to Assiniboia Downs. Live racing has concluded for the year. Congratulations again to Michael Remus, who was the champion of our duel at the Downs with our head-to-head picks all season long. Uh, But you can still bet horses if you do like it. You can use the hpibet.com service and site. And you can also do it at the track. Pop on down there. The VLTs are open at 9 a.m. every day. The Terrace Dining Room is still open. And you will also be able to bet on tracks around the world out at Assiniboia Downs. Can't wait for another year of live racing with Assiniboia Downs next summer. All right. Let's get Remus back in here. Remo, uh, that was phenomenal stuff with Mike McIntyre. And holy smokes, was it great to have Walby on the program or what? Man, Walby's got like a real pro streaming setup there. He's got the mic with the Does boom he arm. Ever? Man, I, I don't know if Darren went in there and fixed him up, got him the right camera and everything. But Walby, That's got bombing written all over it, to be honest. Man, I got to send uh, Darren a text. Walby's set up like a, he's he's ready for the new world of, uh, of streaming. And that was great. I loved his um, Ottawa Renegades uh, crew neck sweater. I know people <laughs> on the podcast couldn't see it, but he was wearing a Bombers hat. And a vintage, I think that's from like 2002, uh, Renegade sweater. Because I know like Bill Belichick used to wear the Patriots with the exact same Reebok had the deal for both. So uh, I know there are a couple comments in the chat. I think I think wearing Renegades is okay. They're a defunct team, Red Blacks, I'm, I'm not so sure. You know, uh, the, yeah, listen, uh, he can wear whatever the hell he wants on Winnipeg Sports Talk as long as if he comes on. And, uh, of course, he and Bombing are still doing a great job banging out game day Winnipeg yes. to get you ready for all Bomber games. And uh, that available at Darren's YouTube channel. I know I plugged it a couple times, but if you're not checking it on uh, a regular basis, you definitely should be. All right, let's get to uh, the cool bet lines because there's a couple things we want to get to Jets related. First things first, though, let's check the CFL for the week. And Remo, I was doing the lock shop with Dusty earlier today. By the way, if you are not subscribed to the lock shop on podcast, please do. Uh, it will. And if you're someone that sprinkles, this is a good time to do it because we are on fuego. Uh, I'm six and zero against the spread in the picks we've given out for the NFL. And then last Tuesday gave out Max Homa fifty four to one, which completely made my weekend and. Uh, Put a smile on my face despite a crushing loss for my Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night. So things are going well. We just did a show. You can actually go to Dustin Nielsen's Twitter account at NielsenTSN 1260. You can watch the whole thing there as well. But uh, it's there. We normally go Tuesday, Friday. We will be doing a Thursday episode this week, Thursday evening, because he's in Vancouver to call Riders Lions on Friday night. And uh, I'm heading to the Ryder Cup. Brandon Rowicki in for me. On Friday and Monday, shout out to Brandon for uh, helping a brother out. All right, three games in the CFL, and this was what I was saying that caught me off guard, Remo. We've got a Wednesday game this week in the CFL. we got a game tomorrow night, Hamilton and Ottawa. Yeah, what is this? Who's coming up with this? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like Wednesday games. Um, it's kind of messing my fantasy. We do have uh, our DraftKings contest. There's some people in, so Hustler, you, you uh, go sign up. Um, I got second last time and won the time before, so you can try and try and take me down. We'll see. This week's gonna be weird with with only three games 
and the Wednesday game. Hamilton favored by nine with Watford at quarterback. I think the number was 10 yesterday. Yeah, it was 10, nine and a half later on last night, nine right now. Uh, and Dusty and I both got on the under, which was 47. It's now 46 and a half. Other two games, really interesting. Montreal at Toronto, Argos, two and a half point home mm-hmm. favorites, 46 and a half total. I, you, neither of us touched this game. I don't really have a read on either of these squads. You see some really good things from them. You see some bad things at times from them. So I, I, I don't really know how this one's going to go. We stayed away from that one. Game of the week, though, is Saskatchewan at BC. I was originally on the Riders. I actually kind of came around to the Lions. Mike Riley's playing great right now. It's their defense, though, that's been really getting it done. And I know they gave up a ton of yards last week, but they didn't allow a touchdown. They've given up two touchdowns in the last 22 quarters, Remo. So I think I'm going to ride with the Lions as home underdogs plus one and a half against the Riders in what is clearly, in my opinion, the game of the week in the CFL. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people in chat here are very skeptical of BC. I know they've just beaten up on Ottawa here, but this is going to be a test against Saskatchewan for second in the West. Mike Riley, since, you know, whatever happened in that first game where he was in and then he was out and when then went back in and his arm looked like Peyton Manning in his final years of his career, but he's looking pretty good, slinging it to Burnham and Whitehead, who you talked about with Walby. I got to be honest, I was pretty pissed off with BC last week. They put on the depth chart, uh, Brian Burnham was a game-time decision. Well, what? They didn't. They never tweeted out the decision if he was in or out. I was, I was He played. Uh, I know that he played, but you know, let us know what that decision is heading into, heading into <laughs> the game. I guess assume that he's in unless he's out. But he was, I think he was clearly kind of banged up. He was limping around, made a couple catches. But I think that's something... Uh, to watch for for their receiving so i think i'm kind of leaning that game's in bc in bc yeah yeah i would i think i would lean i'm gonna lean bc in that one i'll take i'll take my one and a half points yeah money line if you want to get it minus 103 for bc and minus 119 for the saskatchewan rough riders uh hit this on the lock shop as well uh your lineup or your line for thursday night football is the Carolina Panthers seven and a half road favorites against the Houston Texans, who will have a rookie third string quarterback playing in the absence of Terod Taylor. Um, and again, on Thursday's show, we'll get into all the picks for the weekend in the NFL. Uh, but Remo, I know you're fired up to get to this. We've finally got our NHL futures listed at cool bet. And um, a few things that stand out. Uh, cup odds, first off for the Winnipeg Jets, are 40 to 1. We mentioned they were 50 to 1 in the summer. Uh, we knew that was going to go down. So it's sort of settled at 40 to 1. The Jets are also 20 to 1 to win the Western Conference. But the number that really stood out to me before we get into the totals and the over unders is the fact that they're 21 to 1 to win the Central Division. I totally get that Colorado is a Big, heavy favorite. Um, but I'll be honest. When you look at the rest of the uh, uh, of the things, here's how it looks. Colorado minus 256. I can live with that. They are a heavy favorite to win the division. But then you go Minnesota at 8-1. to one, Dallas at 10-1. to one, St. Louis at 15-1. to one, And then the Winnipeg Jets are 21-1. to one. Now, listen, for Colorado not to win the Central would be an upset. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But once you eliminate Colorado, 
Um, I don't think that any of these teams are clearly ahead of the Winnipeg Jets and certainly not to the extent that the odds would indicate. So to me, maybe the best value bet, if you want to take a little bit of a long shot, would be Jets to win the Central. I mean, it would mean maybe Colorado has some injury problems, goaltending issues. If anything happens to Darcy Kemper, that's a real area of concern. Um, You know, Colorado is going to be there in the end, but considering I think what the expectations are around here for this hockey club of the Jets being a playoff team and challenging near the top of the division, uh, the 21 to one number absolutely sticks out as not making a lot of sense, especially when they're 20 to one to win the West and compete in the Stanley cup final. Yeah. I'll agree with you there on all points. And I think it's, I don't know if any of those teams are really separated themselves as far as projections go. I think, you know, Minnesota, what uh, and the Jets, St. Louis? I'm sure, you're going to throw Dallas in there. I think, I think they're all closer than that. So yeah, I think the twenty-one uh, to one to win the Central is definitely a value bet. I mean, the forty to one to win the Cup. I think that's a fun one if you want to just like throw ten. And hey, if they win, great. And if they don't win, I mean, you're out only uh, ten ten bucks. So um, I, I I like those. And yeah, I mean, if, I'd rather. I guess you know, winning the conference maybe easier than winning the division. I don't know the thought. The thought process there. Well, I, guess, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I mean, there's 82 games. There's a lot of things can happen over the course of the regular season. And you do have a powerhouse like Colorado in the division. And that certainly inflates everyone else's odds when you've got a minus 256 favorite. Um, but at the same time, I mean, the uh, the bottom line is, I mean, the Jets are going to be, you would think, in that mix. And, mm-hmm. you know, if Colorado doesn't run away with it, um, I would think the Jets have as good of a chance as anybody to be right there. So the number just gives you some pretty darn good value. And of course, I, I love the over on the Jets total points as well. Um, the Jets regular season points over under is 92.5. 82 game season, essentially expecting to win 11 games more than regulation losses. I think that is eminently doable uh, we talked about that, and actually, that was Dustin's pick that he offered up in the lock shop. I was on that as well, and we also had to look at the Minnesota Wild at ninety-eight and a half as maybe a number to fade, considering the offseason they've had and the fact that Kirill Kaprizov is still yet unsigned. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with those. I'm on the same page as you here. I still need to convince me. Uh, I'm going to get the Jets over the books here. Always seem to sleep on the Jets, and uh, I don't know why. We know they have a good team. They've improved. They have the best goalie, and I think betting on goaltending is always the move. I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, you look at the Jets' past teams. How do you compare this Jets team to 2017-18 or 18-19? Are they better? Are they similar? Well, 2017-18 they had 114 points. In 2018-19 they had 99. So that 93 points, I think, is uh, definitely. Uh, within within reach. Yeah, I, I, I like it. Um, uh, T. Conopoli says, WST, my value bet, Jets versus Panthers in the cup final. That is interesting. Uh, Wayne Jones says the Jets would be closer to 98 yeah, points. I think so. And a few guys like Rob Mahoney, Mahoney saying, I don't get the wild love. I think a lot of people, myself included, were really impressed with the season the wild had last year. But a couple of key things have happened. Um, they had to bite the bullet. They Buying up Parise is no big deal. He barely played last year. Ryan Suter's absence on the blue line is going to be significant. I, I'm still, frankly, stunned that they, you know, 
did that at the cost it was going to uh, it was going to do and the pain they're going to go through in three seasons after this one. Uh, but maybe a lot of it has to do with you know freeing up the cash they need to get their young superstar Kaprizov signed, which still hasn't happened. Man, if that drags into the regular season or even training camp, you wonder that does. But here's the other thing, Remo. I think the Wild are overvalued in this because of where they were last year. And that was the Pacific Division, which was full of some of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. You're not getting a piece of cake schedule like the Wild got last year. Um, And listen, they were going up against Colorado. They were going up against Vegas. But everyone else, those California teams, Arizona, I mean, were so bad. That inflated those numbers. I mean, to me, there's going to be a market correction for the Minnesota Wild. And that's why the under on 98 and a half for Minnesota, um, to me, is uh, a bet that I will be getting a piece of. Yeah, I mean, uh, no no arguments from me, Hus. We'll see what happens with them. I think we're waiting on Kaprizov if he's signing. You know, he's one of those few RFAs, Brady Kachuk, Elias Pettersson. And uh, Quinn Hughes. So uh, Minnesota, I agree. I was shocked at the double buyout. You thought the Prize one was going to happen, but Suter too, and then he immediately signed it in Dallas. Um, so yeah, Minnesota. I think it's going to be a dogfight there with the you know Colorado, and then you know the four teams after. And ninety eight point five, maybe that's a bit high. Hey, uh, we do have some other NHL news and notes to get to. A uh, couple PTOS. For one younger player and one uh, older player, both top three picks in the NHL, Alex Galchenyuk is signing a PTO with the Arizona Coyotes. Um, And Bobby Ryan gets a PTO with the Detroit Red Wings, not seemingly ready to hang them up. I mean, Bobby Ryan's story is is, is well known. Um, You know, a crazy childhood uh, being on the run, you know, having to live with a different name for a while. If you're not familiar with it, look it up. It's uh, it, it really is incredible. Uh, and then the number two overall pick that went through a number of things during his time in the league, um, but still a guy that when things are going well can be a difference maker. It just hasn't happened consistently. Be interesting to see if he gets on with the Red Wings. And as far as Galchenyuk goes, I sort of thought that Ottawa and Toronto last year were the last stops on a tour that would finish in the KHL, but still obviously hanging on to an NHL dream. And tell you what, if you're a guy looking for a job, I don't think there's a roster in the league that might be more makeable than Arizona considering all the offseason moves that they've made. Yeah, we talked about them. Here's uh, Galchenyuk's hockey DB. You know, he's really bounced around since uh, Montreal. Not quite as young as you think. I guess he's 27, so he's still, you know, he's still in there. Not, not on uh, the other side of 30. There all this talk last year. Oh, well, Toronto, they've they fixed Galchenyuk. We had heard that so many times. You know, I had even played him on DraftKings <laughs> when he was playing with uh, Austin Matthews and and Marner or was it Tavares? I forget, but I had played him and he did. He played all right for some games. All you know, the other games, uh, not as well. So Arizona, sure, I agree with you. If, you know, if you need to find a job, go to Arizona. They they need bodies there. Just about anyone who can play in the NHL, and he's shown that he can. So, uh, good for him for getting a PTO Galchenyuk still hanging in there. Kevin Hayes uh, out six to eight weeks after abdominal surgery, and you know I think whatever's happening with uh, the abdominal surgery is one thing. Um, you know I, I think if anything, if the timing of this might be great because I think Kevin Hayes and the entire family is still just devastated with the sudden loss of his brother Jimmy um, this summer, um, and I think everyone hopes that you know Kevin Hayes will have a 
have a strong season, be able to come back and, you know, be that player that Philly signed him to that big money contract after he was traded to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, but still, everything happening with him, sort of secondary, I think, to what happened in the offseason with uh, with his brother's uh, with his brother's passing. Uh, do I see this correctly? I had not heard this. Uh, do we have an official boot for an anti-vaxxer from an NHL team? None other than Zach Ronaldo? Yeah, um, you know, I was shocked that he was still even in the NHL. I remember him running around... Uh... MTS, or sorry, uh, you know, the Winnipeg Jets home arena, now named Canada Life Center. Um, but yeah, you know, it's funny in the, in the NFL, you know, you get in trouble uh, for saying that, you know, you cut a guy for, you know, not getting the vaccine. Uh, John Davidson came out today and said he's not vaccinated. He's not welcome at camp. He's, they'll send, so they'll send him to the, the AHL camp. But I don't know why you'd have one there. I would say he's, you know, he's not Welcome, because he's not a cal- you know quality NHL player anymore, and you know you know the how type good you're gonna have to be. You know how good you're gonna have to be in the NHL to make a team deal with you not being vaccinated. You have like the best player in the league. Like you, you know, you're gonna have to be yeah. an absolute difference maker, a guy that they can't replace. And I mm-hmm. mean, with all due respect to Zach Ronaldo, he's somehow played in the NHL for a considerable amount of time. He's not that guy. So <laughs> if he's going to be an issue, they're like, thanks, yeah. but no thanks, move on. And that, you know, when training camps do get going, I mean, you know, we heard that the league is like 98 and 99% shot up. Uh, I am very, very interested to see, you know, where the situations are with unvaxxed players and how the different teams handle it and what that means for them and the players going into uh, the regular yeah. season. Here's the quote from John Davidson. Uh, this is from Aaron Portsline. He says, Davidson not holding back. Uh, here's the quote. When you read the amount of players, the percentage that have been vaccinated, it's a big, big number. There's very few who aren't, and that's their own personal choice. I'm not going to sit here and tell them what to do, even though I'd like to see the whole world get vaccinated. My daughter's a doctor. She believes in this, and I believe in her because she's a whole lot smarter than I am. I'd like to see the whole world get vaccinated. We have a responsibility as leaders of the organization. We want our people vaccinated. We want them wearing masks as much as possible. So Columbus not fooling around. And, um, you know, they've already fired an assistant coach. And now Zach Ronaldo, they told him, uh, basically, don't don't show up. So and Bill Daly said, uh, was it last week, that I think like 10 guys were Yeah, he said 10 to 15 yeah, in the league. It was so, 98 to 99% I guess, of the entire NHLPA. And a lot of that was because... Um, you know, you don't know who's going to be on the rosters in those fringe, in those fringe <laughs> you, spots. You know so. what's going to be hilarious, though, dude? And just mark my words. Uh, come two days from now, I'm sure it happens here in Winnipeg. Uh, I'm sure it'll happen around the league. The media folks will ask, you know, coaches and general managers, what is the vaccination status of their club? And if it is not 100%, considering the numbers that we've heard from the league, uh, there's essentially going to be a massive guessing game on who the guy is on each team yeah. that 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 is not vaccinated, and there'll be all sorts of sleuthing. Um, and if you think the media are bad, wait till the fans get onto this topic. So, yeah. best thing you can have going into camp is for your coach say, "Yeah, much like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers said a few weeks ago, we're a hundred percent vaxxed." We're all business going forward. Um, because if it's anything less than that number, it is going to be a topic 
certainly partially in the media, but definitely in the fan base as well. Not to mention all the things that that player will have to do in addition to, uh, as opposed to the rest of his teammates. Yeah, Davidson came out and said Columbus is 100%. And, you know, we talk about point totals over-unders. I mean, if you're playing fantasy, I think it is kind of important to know that information. Hassan, you are betting. I mean, um, you're more likely to miss a game. You're more likely to have to sit out. There's questions about if you're able to travel on a plane in Canada or, you know, the difficulty in crossing the border. So I, th- I think, you know, just for fantasy, and you'll be able to see, you can see who's wearing a mask in certain areas. That's how they figured out for NFL. So I do think there is some merit to be, to know if you're a fan, but I'm not going to sit here and try to speculate and figure it out. If someone wants to put together a cheat sheet that I can take into my fantasy pool um, and know know what to do. Who is the, the, the 2021 NHL anti-vax team? And like they I'm, put it, together all the seems, players that seems aren't like there. It's, <laughs> seems like it's not many. You don't have much to concern. But again, if you're looking at like point totals and you want to get like a value bet, maybe you could go ahead and there's a guy who you think is a bad line plus that, you know, doesn't have the show while he's more likely to miss some games than, than you take the under. Uh, I, I guess, I mean, yesterday there was a big story on the program that the end of the Sammy Niku era uh, had was uh, underway here in Winnipeg or had closed uh, because, of course, they were buying us out. I see cleared waivers right now, so no one jumping on that league minimum contract. Um, I'm going to be fascinated to see if Sammy Niku will where he ends up going forward. You would think, Remus, I still have a hard time imagining there's not a team in the league that will at least bring Sammy in and give him some time in the preseason and see what he can do on a PTO. To be honest, I'm sort of surprised that at 750 a year, there wasn't a team like in Arizona or a Detroit or, you know, New Jersey. Some of these teams that, you know, are sort of talent challenged that they wouldn't bring in a young player like that and, you know, see what he can do. But um, I guess that's uh, that is up in the air. And I guess the other thing that was brought up to me, uh, and maybe you do have to think about this, is um, is the timing of the fact that this just happened literally as players were reporting to the club. Um, you know, if they'd been working on this for a while, maybe this happens earlier. Um, but I think it does bring up speculation as to what caused this at this time. Was it a conversation? Was it not being in shape? Was it not being ready? I mean, all of that could be problematic, maybe hooking on with another club. But uh, I certainly hope we'll see Sammy Niku get a crack somewhere in the National Hockey League after uh, his time here in Winnipeg. Yeah, he's now a free agent. We'll wait and see how it plays out. I think, you know, he could be a, you know, bottom defenseman who can move the puck for somebody. I think, yeah, Detroit, one of those bottom teams who needs guys. And you know what? People will get hurt. A spot will open up. And, uh, you know, he it was a mutual termination. So he knew that he didn't have a shot, but gave up 750K, figures he can hop on and get an NHL contract somewhere else. So. Uh, we're on Niku watch now. What's what's going to happen with him? Yes, the Niku watch. I'll have to get another card of him with his new club if he does end up playing elsewhere in the National Hockey League to go with the infamous unboxed uh, signed Niku that we did a while ago here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. A uh, couple other CFL notes. I mentioned this with Chris Walby, uh, but the brilliant rookie season at DeAndre Alford continues. Named top defensive performer after that game-changing pick six on the weekend against the Elks. Yeah, it was him. I think uh, Mike Riley was the other one. Let me just uh, pull it up here. But, I mean, we talked We talked yesterday. <laughs> Sorry, Justin Funk, hashtag free Niku turns into hashtag free agent Niku. Free, free agent. Very well done. Very, very well done. Very good, very good. 
So, yeah, as uh, who is Simone Lawrence and yeah, Mike Michael Riley, sort of the other top performer who's been uh, very good since that first game. So, I mean, that's some nice company there uh, for Alford who's stepped in and played well. Him and uh, Dietrich Nichols. I mean, just another parts of this great Bombers defense. So, uh, congratulations. Uh, that's a good honor. Uh, top top week seven top performer. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, we should mention, too, I mean, uh, we had so much to get to yesterday. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about the Blue Jays, but, of course, they're in a playoff spot right now. Very controversial game last night against the Rays, Ream. Uh, They end up losing. Lots of tweets about the umpire at home plate last night, uh, but they need to brush that one off. The rookie Alec Manoa on the bump today against Drew Rasmussen. And, you know, the Jays right now, 84 and 66. I remember us saying at 70 games, they were going to need to win 20 of them the rest of the way to make the playoffs. Um, you know, even with that loss last night, still in a great, great spot. But uh, really, after last night, no legitimate hope of catching the Rays for first place. Uh, but as you look at the standings, especially in the wild card. You've got the Blue Jays and Red Sox in that spot. The Yankees just a half game back. Still a lot of work to do for Toronto, but in a pretty good spot, especially considering I believe Red Sox and Yankees still have games against each other. Yeah, so I'm just trying to figure out this. It just said mutual termination, so I'm assuming he did. Like it didn't say that he got a buyout in any of the the reports they just agreed to tear up the contract yeah, yeah that's that exactly. people are asking in the chat that, that's what happens like when guys go back to europe or whatnot they just yeah. say okay and well did i believe they did that with juno luoto if i'm not mistaken they just or they put, yeah. him on, put him on waivers for the in terms but yeah i think sammy knew that it wasn't happening here in winnipeg didn't want to spin his wheels for another year especially reading the room and seeing the other players with the moose so uh, he's going to go see what else he can do and if it doesn't happen in the nhl you know there'll be you know, european teams that'll take a chance on him yeah, and, and sorry, back to the Jays. I mean, they're ahead, uh, what, half game ahead of uh, the Yankees, one and a half back of Boston. So we're going to have a Jays, I think, Boston Yankees a wild card game, a one-off. Um, Robbie Radino didn't have a great start uh, yesterday, but I mean, you know he's great, and, and Ryu's on the, um, on the injured list as well. So we'll keep an eye here on the Jays. we got about uh, like two weeks left of the season. So, you know, we're count, 11 we're more down. games, yeah. 11 more games, two more against Tampa. Then they've got four more games against the Minnesota Twins. Then they've got what will be the series when it comes to determining what happens between them and the New York Yankees. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday of next week at home against the Bronx Bombers. And then very fortunately, if they need a win or two, they're finishing it up against the Baltimore Orioles, Remus, who have kind of turned into the free space on the bingo card in the American League. Yeah, Baltimore, Arizona, each uh, each league. Yeah, 48 and 102 for Baltimore. It's pretty rough. And same Arizona with the identical record in the NL. So, I mean, each, I guess each league has one. And uh, Bal- I thought Baltimore was turning on that a couple of good years, but, um, if, you know, fell down back to uh, earth, I guess. Well, uh, folks, great show today. Thanks to everyone for being here. Big thanks to Chris Walby for hanging out. And, of course, Mike McIntyre. It was a great segment with Mike. Cannot wait for training camp to get going for real on Thursday. Um, If you haven't had enough of me yet, I'll be jumping on Sportsnet 960 for three hours with Pat Steinberg in an hour. So certainly you're more than welcome to do that. I think I'll be doing that tomorrow as well. Uh, But coming up tomorrow, more on the Jets' upcoming training camp. 
I'll get ready for the week in the Canadian Football League, which begins tomorrow night on a Wednesday. Maybe a little more from the National Football League. And in the next couple days before I take off, we'll definitely do a segment. We'll try and get our Aussie pal Dubs back on the program to set up the Ryder Cup which uh, is already underway with many of the team activities and practice. The actual tournament begins on Friday, and I'll be there on Saturday and Sunday. Many of you are already following me on Twitter. If not, give me a follow at Hustlerama, and also hit up the Instagram. I'll try and fire up a bunch of cool content from Ryder Cup when I'm out there on the weekend. All right, big thanks to Assiniboia Downs, Little Brown Jug, Cool Bet Canada, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Canadian Club, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, and of course, Not Auto Corp, to Michael Remus for the great job behind the scenes, Chris Walby, Mike McIntyre, and everybody with us live in the chat. If you haven't already, folks, please hit the thumbs up button. That always helps. And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. If you're new, we're here every one o'clock, every day at one o'clock, Monday to Friday, live on YouTube, and just after 3 p.m. in your favorite podcast feed. Folks, have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.